1: ING Studios for Dayton's only local sports talk show. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine.
2: When your teams win, it's fun. When your teams lose, not so much. I thought we, uh, as Browns and Bengals fans around here, I thought we got used to that losing feeling. It's not a good feeling. It's not
1: a good
3: feeling. <laughs> it's a good Monday, but not a great Monday. But I'd hope it- i, I say absolutely nothing about my fluke of a win that we got.
2: Yeah, but you all smiles and stuff. Like, you look like your team won. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, you know, Big Ben should have threw off. two
3: pick sixes. Should have threw two pick sixes. Threw it right to the DBs. They should have took it back to the house. The but they dropped it. And we won. I'll take it.
2: So there's that. The Steelers won. The Browns and Bengals lost. Uh, but I want to open up. I mean, there's so much to talk about. You're right, Kevin. I mean, between Wilder Fury three, uh, that lived up to the hype and then some. Actually, I'm. It's not too often where the trilogy is better than the one and two. Mm-hmm. Like especially when you talk about movies. I can't think of a trilogy or the third one in the trilogy that is better than. Movies one and two. It doesn't happen. Right. Usually in these fights, the third one, it, it's more... Snooze fest. The, it's the, the match itself is a snooze fest, but the build to it seems bigger than the other two. And we see that in sports all the time. I can't think of a time. That was like the best fight of all of them. But I lo- I mean, you had one winner match one, one winner a different winner match two, and then of course Fury comes out on top. But man, that was... That was pretty damn cool. I'm not a big boxing aficionado or a big boxing fan, but uh, th- those two right there, that fight right there, is going to be what draws in a so many new uh, boxing viewers. Which Browns Bengals fans don't go away. We're <laughs> I'm, literally I'm turning right into that, but it was just uh, piggybacking off of Kevin talking about how big of a sports weekend it was. Number one, Alabama goes Woo! down. I mean, it was just great.
3: Oh man, speaking of that fight, man, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it was everything and then some. Um, and it's funny, like things are starting to come out about like. The fight, like what took uh, Deontay Wilder so long to come out of his locker room. He was doing what we were all doing. We were watching the Texas A&M Bama game because he's from Tuscaloosa. He was watching the game. He said he wasn't coming out there until the game was over. And he wasn't lying. So, you know, he watched his team lose and then he lost. And then, I mean, but it was a great game and it was a great fight. So that's coming out. Uh, he allegedly broke his uh, wrist and his thumb and everything like that, uh, punching, you know, Fury on the top of the head and everything like that. But yeah, man, what an epic sports weekend, man. Tons of great football action all weekend long. Not only just on Saturday, but we also got some crazy action on Sunday as well. All right.
2: If you're yeah, just like Alabama. Wilder got knocked out. So there you go. <laughs> it's the Johnston Kenner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine and OGW Energy Resources. We appreciate everyone who's tuning in and hanging out with us. Just a reminder, we are not just live on 1410 Wing AM. We're streaming live at wingam.com. And, of course, you can watch the show weekdays from 3 to 6 on our YouTube channel. Check out ESPN Dayton's YouTube channel to watch the show weekdays from 3 to 6, as well as all shows are archived there. Select segments, interviews, check out all that fun stuff uh, right Right there, when it comes to all of our live content, whether it be the Justin Kinner show with Kev Nash, of course the Keith Byers show on Mondays, uh, you know, talking out loud with Sully is going to be returning this coming update in Flyers basketball season. We're finalizing those details this week. Pretty pumped about all of that. Um, but I want to open up. Of course, we'll talk. We're gonna. I mean, it's a, it's a Browns and Bengals segment, but I'm pretty fired up. Like I, I will say this: uh, the Cincinnati Bengals Packers game uh, had my attention from kickoff until the very end. Browns-Chargers game had my attention from kickoff to the very end. Uh, If you're fans of either of those teams, you don't like the outcome, but my goodness, that's why we talk so much NFL during the offseason. That's why we try to fit every bit of NFL content into the show throughout the offseason because we live, breathe uh, and everything for NFL football. That's why, because those games yesterday, I know the results... Not what we wanted, but my goodness, those were two fantastic NFL games that obviously didn't finish in the result that we were all pulling for. Uh, But yes, yesterday's games definitely pulled out a lot of emotion in both fan bases, not just because of the loss, but because of the game within the game, the strategy, uh, you, you know, making adjustments as the game goes on. And there were so many storylines. We'll open up with this Browns game real quick because uh, I, apparently I'm a Browns hater. I was a Browns hater on Friday when we <laughs> ended the show, Kev, and uh, I had the nerve to, to have an opinion about the Browns loss that, that Browns fans didn't agree with. My thing is stop bitching and crying about the officiating. Good officiating and bad officiating are part of the game. There is no such thing as a game that has perfect officiating. If your idea of perfect officiating is any game that ends without any noisy bad calls, then so be it. But there is no such thing as a cleanly officiated game. I've never witnessed one. I have never left a ballpark, a stadium, uh, a basketball arena. I've never left a game saying, man, LeBron looked good tonight. But how about that officiating? man? My <laughs> goodness, i got to get that official's jersey. I mean, that guy was kick-ass tonight. You are a loser if you are going to sit there and make an excuse about the officiating every time. Do you think maybe it had something to do with the five hundred yards the of total de- offense you or defense you got all the yards you guys give it to the chargers maybe you think it has something to do with that do you think it maybe has something to do with having a two possession lead in the fourth quarter and giving it up within a blink of an eye you left one receiver just wide the heck open. I could have covered him better than that do you think it has something to do with that? As wise as the Browns lost, not everything is always the official's fault. Here's what you can control in all sports. You can control what you do, and you have an attempt to control what your opponent does. You can't control officiating. You can maybe adapt to do things differently to the way officials are calling a game, but at the end of the day, you can't blow their whistle. You can't blow their whistle. You can't keep them from blowing their whistle. They are a part of the game. You can't change that. There is nothing you can change. What you can do is not allow Justin Herbert... To connect on a 60 yard touchdown pass to a receiver that literally maybe the closest defensive back that was close to the Chargers receiver was their own backup defensive backs and starters on their <laughs> sideline. <laughs> don't, that, don't blame officiating. I wouldn't let Bengals fans get away with that crap. I sure as hell ain't going to let Browns fans get away with that. That's embarrassing. This reminds me of the Fiesta Bowl game years ago Ohio State and Clemson. Buckeye fans forgot about the 21-0 run that they gave up to Clemson. Buckeye fans a couple years ago forgot about how they let Trevor freaking Lawrence, of all people, who never was looked at as a rushing quarterback, run for 100 yards on them. No, no, we didn't pay attention to that. We didn't pay attention to the fact that, you know, Ohio State settled for field goals a ton of times throughout that game and they couldn't convert when they got into the red zone. Oh, no, we we didn't focus on that. We just blamed the officiating. Because it's easier to blame the officials than it is to hold our own team accountable. I've never been wired like that. That's why I've always been labeled a hater of all the teams that I love. I love the Browns. I'm a hater, according to those fan bases, because I don't cry and make excuses like they do. I'm a hater, according to Buckeye fans, because I don't cry and make lame excuses like they do. My suggestion to you, stop crying, stop bitching, stop making lame excuses. Hold your team accountable. That's my whole deal with the Bengals fans, why me and the Bengals fans got off to such a rough start when I started working in radio. Because I'm like... Hey, your team stinks. I thought you knew. (laughs) Like, that's really where we got off all on the wrong foot. I, just like everyone with the brain, looked at the Bengals and said, they're no good. Bengals fans said, sure, we've only won six games in two years, but we're really, really good. That's why we got off on the wrong foot. Being delusional will not work if you're going to listen to this show, and I appreciate everyone who does, but those who hate listen, just to listen to see what I'm going to say about their team – I appreciate that you listen, too, but at the same time, you got to understand, I'm not going to put up with excuse-making. The Cleveland Browns were atrocious yesterday defensively. Offensively, 500 yards total offense. Baker Mayfield, 300 yards. Super efficient. We were talking all last week about, you know, how banged up is he? How much is that, you know, shoulder injury on his non-throwing arm? How much is that impacting him? Clearly, not impacting him at all. Clearly, Last week was his worst game ever as an NFL starter. Clearly, that concerns me that that could pop up at any point throughout a season. But what I was pleased with yesterday was Baker Mayfield looking like a top 10 NFL quarterback, completing uh, an efficient amount of his passes, of course, thrown for 300 yards, no interceptions, two touchdowns. Uh, what else could he have done other than maybe thrown on that third and 10? Instead, Coach St- Kevin Stefanski calls for a draw play on third and 10. And then he has the nerve to tell the media afterwards, "Ah, oh, well, you know what? We went for it, we had some backup tackles in, we just weren't comfortable dropping back to pass. You mean like you weren't like you were comfortable enough to drop back to pass on the previous play with those same backup tackles. Huh? That doesn't make any damn sense. Flip flop those plays, run the draw on the second and ten, pick up three or four yards, then go for the passing play or Run again. But it just didn't make any sense to me. And then late in the game, the Browns have another shot. And by the way, this is how bad the Browns' defense was yesterday. The Chargers tried not to score. They still scored. That's how bad the Browns' defense was yesterday. Now, before you soft Browns fans get your panties in a wad and say, well, the Browns Pushed him into the end zone. I get that. I know that. All right. I understand that. It was actually a very heads up play. It was probably the smartest play the defense had made all game. The only thing that the Browns defense actually was really talented at yesterday was giving up a touchdown. So when it came to Kevin Stefanski saying, "Hey guys, we got to let him score," the Browns were like, "Oh yeah, I could do that. We could do. That. We've been doing that all game. This is this, this is the easiest task of the night, letting the Chargers score in that final play. Uh, and then you have a minute to come back." They don't, Kevin Stefanski doesn't call one single play with receivers cutting to, the, cutting to the sideline. And maybe if they were, they just weren't open. It was just a poorly executed game for the Browns from the second half on. The Browns, I don't get it. They start out hot. They started out hot against the Chiefs. Couldn't come out with that same intensity in the second half. They started out hot against the Chargers yesterday. They dominated the Chargers yesterday. They were the better team yesterday until about the midway point of the third quarter. It's almost as if like when they went up uh, by two possessions, they took their foot off the gas, and then the urgency and the intensity of the Chargers took over, and there you go. Stop with the lame excuses about the officiating. There is bad officiating in every game. Now, you could say, well, Justin, if they don't make that bad call, uh, that's a 10-point swing, and the Browns win that game. Well, that's true, too. Or if they don't give up a wide-open touchdown, (laughs) a wide, wide, wide wide-open touchdown, they... Stop. You're not going to win that argument with me. It's lame excuse making. You sound like a sore loser when you make lame excuses about officiating. There are bad calls, no non-calls and egregious calls in every single game. The only thing you can control is what you do on the field and what the Browns did not do yesterday was get stops. That's the bottom line. Period. It was a poorly executed game down the stretch for Kevin Stefanski, uh, you know, from a play-calling standpoint, and it was even more atrocious defensively. That's why they lost. There's no, there, there, there's no other explanation for it, Kev, as to why they lost yesterday. It wasn't officiating. It wasn't anything. And then you get these lame Browns fans. Not all Browns fans are lame. Just like not all Bengals fans are lame. But you get these lame Browns fans who come up with these excuses, Kevin. It amazes me. Conspiracy theorists. They're like, the, <laughs> they're like the QAnon of sports fans. I mean, they just have these lame conspiracy theories that they come up with. How about this one? This is John on Facebook, or on Twitter, Kev. He says, As a fan of football for over 50 years, I have watched many games in my time. I am of the opinion that the NFL and their refs like to tilt the game towards certain teams, prevent blowouts, and to have the game come down to the final play. It's like a WWE script from Phantom Calls. This is the stuff I've been dealing with all day. The <laughs> officials did it, Kev. The conspiracy theorists, the QAnon of sports fans... I think I'll reside in Cleveland, Ohio. You oh, used to walk the same streets
3: as them, by the way. Absolutely, absolutely. Hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. I'm going to say this, and like I always say, man, bad calls are a part of sports. When you have humans making calls, you're going to have people that miss calls and have makeup calls and all that type of stuff. It's a part of sports, unfortunately. I do believe that the leagues need to hold these referees accountable for bad calls. We talked about it with um, the, uh, Joey Bosa, roughing the passer, from last Monday night, from the situation where the Steelers had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. They said it was offside. He wasn't. And then this phantom pass interference, was, was, which was actually offensive pass interference. These plays anger fans because they're blatant. And when you have every camera angle out the wazoo, you're going to see it. And when these things happen in critical moments, it blows the fans top off. So that's why I always said that there needs to be replay all the time, just like it is in college football, because when you're looking at it and replay and everything like that or like somebody like in the in the sky, like that a impartial person from the NFL who sees it and they can buzz down to the official and say, yeah, we're going to need to look at that again to get the correct call on the field. Because let's be clear, it's a lot of money at stake. Not only for teams, because, you know, you make more money when you go to the playoffs, especially if you get a home playoff game. You know, fans spend the money and everything like that. And most of all, people want the right call. That's why people get upset. Now, taking it to the length of, you know, that's the reason you lost, I'm not going to go there. It is part of the reason why the Chargers were able to get back in the game because they were up at that point. The Browns were up at the point, and that was fourth down, and it was a 35-yard penalty for the pass interference. So I understand why people's emotions take them to that point. But at the end of the day, the Browns also regained the lead. They regained the lead after that. They had the lead, gave the lead back up, and then also – you had like what it was like ninety seconds. You had ninety seconds to go down there, the length of the field, and have a tying. So, no, you could go up there and win it because they missed the extra point, and then they went for two and didn't get the two. So you had an opportunity to drive the length of the field and score to win the game with ninety seconds on the clock. Touchdown. So,
2: they wouldn't have been able to kick a field goal. The final was what forty-seven forty. Yeah, you could.
3: Yeah, you could have went yeah. down there and uh, cause the extra point would have gave the Browns a one point uh, lead because. It was like 47, and then they yeah. went for two, and they oh, didn't get it for the win. In for general. the win. Not, yeah. So, yeah. so my biggest gripe, if I'm a Browns fan, is that last sequence of offense. They were, you had plenty of time, plenty of time. It's kind of like when you see Aaron Rodgers get the ball with that amount of time on the clock, you know he's going to get it. When, when. When Tom Brady gets that amount of time on the clock, you know he's going to get it because he's going to make the right play. And there were no in cuts. There were no deep shots in the middle of the field. We know that they were playing the sidelines so you can't catch an out route and go out of bounds. That's why the middle of the field is always open. You can hit a, a big chunk seam, get up there, and clock it. The Browns did none of that. It took them 30 seconds to get 10 yards. It was almost like check down Charlie. Check down Charlie doesn't work when you're in a two-minute offense when you need to score a touchdown. And then once they actually did pick up a first down, it just seemed like they threw four straight Hail Marys. I don't know what's going on at practice, but I know that's not how they script things for a two-minute drill at, at the end of practice. Like, I don't know there's some bad communication between the play caller and the QB because that is not how you run a two-minute drill. Everything they did there was absolutely wrong. We've seen the Browns execute two-minute drills. Going into halftime, way better than that. It's the same situation. If you think back to the first game against the Kansas City Chiefs, they ran up a great play and almost scored on it right before the half. It was like it was like a, a a hook and lateral. And you had Baker Mayfield ended up with the ball at the last second, almost scored another touchdown before the end of the half. None of those things came out. It was like a check down to the running back, another check down to the running back, heave, 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 ball game. That was not good clock management. That was not a good two-minute drill.
2: The Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash presented by Orion Sports uh, Medicine. All right, uh, so. We'll take your calls coming up here around the corner. We'll open up the phone lines here around the corner. But uh, we're live on Facebook. I want to hear from the Browns and Bengals fans. But, yeah, I just – my uh, my patience uh, today has just been uh, – I've been eagerly just watching the clock all day, waiting to get to 3 o'clock, because Browns fans – like, I am a Browns fan, okay? And I'm being called out by Browns fans because I'm not a real Browns fan. I'm, how am I not a real Browns fan because I'm not sitting here saying that the Browns lost because of the officiating? When you look at what the Browns did yesterday, it was atrocious. It was atrocious defensively. Offensively, the Browns are who we thought. Defensively, the Browns are not who we thought. Now, again, I can't sit there and ignore all the injuries. I can't sit there and pretend that, you know, Greg Newsom being out and, and obviously, you know, not having Jedrick Wills and Chris Hubbard and Jadavion Clowney and Tommy Togi. Like, there was a lot of guys missing. And then you look at the fact that Jack Conklin goes out, Greedy Williams goes out, Miles Garrett goes out, comes back in. There was a lot of moving parts in that game yesterday. I completely understand it. But at the end of the day, you can have backups in and not be embarrassingly bad. I'm like, Kevin Stefanski has done fantastic things since taking over for Cleveland last season. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm saying he had a horrible, embarrassing game. I'm not calling for his job. Not every opinion has to have an outcome of fire the guy, cut the guy. But that was horrible yesterday, and there were so many aspects of that. Here's what's going on in Cleveland. Cleveland is no longer getting the benefit of the doubt of being that cute up and coming storyline anymore. The Browns have officially surpassed that. They are no longer the Man, I can't wait to see where the Browns go next in this journey of 0 and 16 and, and turning into the seven win team and then winning six games and oh look, they won twelve the next year. Now now it's Super Bowl expectations. And when you have Super Bowl expectations, you do not get the benefit of the doubt. No one looks at the Browns and says, Oh man, they lost a close one. They'll be okay though. I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt when they lost against the Kansas City Chiefs in the close one. That's fine. You went toe-to-toe with the top team. I can't keep coming on here and cracking this mic and saying, well, the Browns, they keep going toe-to-toe with these good teams. Eventually, you've got to beat the good teams. It's easy to beat up on the Bears. It's easy to beat up on the Vikings when they don't have all their weapons either. It's easy to beat up on the Texans, which they made look difficult at times. It's easy to do all that. What do you do against the Chiefs? Who, by the way, at the time gave him the benefit of the doubt. The Chiefs don't look too damn good right now either. So now that becomes less excusable. Between the Chiefs looking as bad as they have, that makes the Browns' narrow loss to them look even kind of worse at this point. And then yesterday. Would it have been a different game had the Browns, you know, had been fully equipped? I don't know. We're talking about the best team in football, arguably, in the Chargers. Would Jadavion Clowney have changed things? I think he maybe makes an additional play or two. But that wasn't the problem. Right. Like, you know, what would Tommy I have made a difference? No. You know, would Greg Newsom have made a difference? Probably, but not to the point to where it would have fixed some of the execution issues down the stretch. And then, of course, you look at the fact, you know, Jack Conklin goes, I don't care about the offense. The offense was fine. The offense put 500 total yards up. Baker Mayfield was fantastic. 300 plus yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He did his job. He did his job. The running backs, you know, between Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt has elevated his game to a level uh, that is above and beyond what we saw from him last year. The offense did their 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 part. I don't care about the injuries there. They did 500 yards total offense with OBJ dropping wide open passes and Jarvis Landry being on the IL. So, I, this isn't an offensive conversation. This is all about the defense. And you can argue, yes, it becomes a little about the offense when it came to the play calling down the stretch. Running a draw play on third and ten. I can't forgive it. All right, we'll open up the phone lines. 518-1410. We're going to step away for a few moments. Kev Nash and I will be back here in just a few. Browns fans, I want to hear from you. Am I being too hard on this Browns team after yesterday? I don't believe that, although, you know, being banged up the way that they were, I do believe that some guys maybe would have made slight, a slight difference yesterday. But having all those guys back yesterday doesn't change the fact that Kevin Stefanski called a poor game. doesn't change the fact that the defense was just diced up. If you think that your Davion Clowney is... In Greg Newsom, is the difference between giving up 500 yards and 400 yards. I don't know what to tell you. That wasn't going to change yesterday. That was atrocious. It was embarrassing. I don't think that's who the Browns are. The Browns defensively have been solid all year. But it's easy to look solid against bad teams. It's easy to look great and dominating against a beat up Vikings team. It's easy to look dominating against an embarrassingly bad Bears offense. 1 8, 14 10. We'll be back. Bengals fans, I'll get to your game in a moment. The Bengals lived up to the height. They did exactly what they were supposed to. They proved that they can go toe-to-toe with one of the top teams in the National Football League. Uh, I was impressed with what I saw. A, lot of, a couple of boneheaded decisions throughout the game, but that's part of being an up-and-coming team. They're learning as they go. But if you can learn as you go and still have a chance to beat good teams like Green Bay, uh, th- that's a sign of good things to come. Don't worry. There's some comments you're not going to like about what I have to say about Joe Burrow and the offense, but overall the Bengals looked very, very solid yesterday. Not a lot of teams in the NFL that are going to bring a more bigger threat than the Packers did to Paul Brown over the weekend, and the Bengals proved they're equipped enough to handle their own. We'll talk Bengals coming up around the corner as well. Let's hear from you, Browns fans. Make excuses. Let's hear why. The only answer I will accept is, yeah, we just sucked yesterday defensively. If you, It, it wasn't the officiating. It wasn't the officiating. We'll be back.
1: Medicine, medicine. Make sure you subscribe to the WING 1410 Dayton YouTube channel, where you can watch all your local shows live, or go back and re-watch...
2: We are back. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on a Monday. Hope everyone had a great weekend. And uh, there's no reason you should not have had a great weekend. I know our two teams uh, that we follow and talk mostly a lot about here, uh, the the Browns and the Bengals both lost. But uh, don't act like for that full three and a half hours you're watching those games that you weren't entertained. Those were two awesome, amazing games. Just two finishes we would love to forget, right? Uh, Big fight, uh, you know, Wilder Fury 3 on Saturday night. That lived up to the hype. That was fantastic as well. And then Alabama goes down. Ohio State takes care of business. The Bearcats win this past Friday night. Right. Bearcats did what they're supposed to win yes, win convincingly to prove that hey yes we're facing uh weaker competition than the power fives, but we're beating them by forty five plus and that's what you gotta do uh when it's all said and done so that's where what leads us to here but the browns lost yesterday uh forty seven to forty two um in and, and honestly if I wasn't a fan of either of these teams. You could not have not been entertained by that. I mean, it was just punch for punch. Let's just be real. Let me take my Browns cap off for a second and just say that game. If I'm not, if I don't have a horse in the race, uh, I am like on the edge of my seat, just super, you know, and I'm enjoying the hell out of that matchup. Super excited watching that game. It was great. Justin Herbert's the real freaking deal. No doubt about it. 398 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, The dude was protected. He was only sacked twice. Uh, I mean, good for him. I mean, Justin Herbert is a guy that doesn't get... Right now, he's starting to build up. He's an MVP favorite at this point. Um, But last year was all the talk about Joe Burrow. It was everything else. Justin Herbert from the very beginning. People, Everyone's like, oh, Justin, you're just hating on Burrow. That's why you're saying Justin Herbert's better. Justin Herbert's better. It wasn't because I was hating. It's because i have eyes uh but anyways bottom line chargers beat the browns 47 42 cleveland brown baker mayfield 305 yards two touchdowns no interceptions had a qb rating of 122 same exact qb rating actually his qb rating was slightly higher um, than justin herbert in that matchup but nick chubb how about nick chubb 161 yards on 21 carries and a touchdown and then you look at david and seven receptions 149 yards The Browns offense isn't the problem here. The Browns offense was not the problem. Now, I did say that, but uh, Robert, or where did it go here? I got Jake Overholtz on Facebook said, Baker definitely did not do his job. If he had done his job, he would have drove them down the field with one thirty left in the game for a chance to win. That's what good, great quarterbacks do. Baker struggles in this area big time. Uh, Actually, Baker Mayfield last year led the NFL in comeback games and, and wins in the fourth quarter. But... Not a great showing from him in that he had a chance with a minute plus to go. It did stink that they had no timeouts, but the team just looked lost offensively. Kev, you pointed that out earlier. They looked lost offensively in that final in that final drive. Uh, you know, a minute is a lot of time, but it's not a lot of time when you don't have timeouts. They looked they looked like they did not had any clue. They did not have any clue what they were doing at the line of scrimmage. Baker dropped back, had guys you know connected on those passes. They just weren't anywhere near the bounds. And then of course you're just rushing plays because you're just trying to move down the field as quickly as possible. But, again, I'm not going to make excuses there. It is what it is. Yes, he had a chance to shine, but to say Baker's not good from behind or good in the clutch, that's not true. The numbers don't back your theory on that. That's just you hating, and I, I get it. I hate to. Not on Baker, but I, I know how to play that game, and you're, I'm just better at it than you. That's all. Um, so Baker's fine. Baker will be fine. Um, but the OBJ thing, man, that's the other thing. <laughs> I thought it was Baker. Baker was the problem. Baker... Since OBJ has come back, we have not seen that rattled OBJ or that rattled Baker Mayfield. where, got to give him the ball. Got to give him the ball. Got to give him the ball. Baker looks way more settled in. He's like, if he's open, I am going to get it to him. If he's not, I am not. He's not going to force it to him, and I don't believe Baker has forced it to him since OBJ has come off the aisle this year. Uh, Baker has picked up where he left off last year, just dropping it all around the field, whoever's open. I have never seen a receiver, Kev, who makes the easiest of ca- the hardest of catches look easy, and the easiest of catches look hard.
1: <laughs> never seen it.
3: Should man. Should man. That play would have went to the house if he caught it. That was a simple, like ten yard cut in, hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. He'd have been off to the races. Now I do want to say this: like we are super reactionary because last week when Baker missed him twice for wide open touchdowns, what well, we what well, we perceived to be wide open touchdowns. Let's not get confused. Like we all knew he was gonna catch it, but let's not think he has hands like Jerry Rice or anything like that, but he was butt naked wide open. I'm starting to think that maybe, just maybe, maybe these plays aren't drawn up for him because we go into this seeming like, oh, man, he has this weapon, this weapon, that weapon, this weapon, Baker's not looking for him. Well, when plays are called in the huddle, you have progressions. You have wide receiver one, you have target two, you have target three, and then you have the check down. Maybe these plays just ain't drawn up for him. Because he was an afterthought. Definitely after he dropped that pass, like, they didn't go to him at all. They went to Njoku. He uh, took a 10-yard pass, 60 yards to the house. And we're not going to sit here and act like David Njoku was like a a burner. But he made it to the house, and he caught the ball. Uh, The screen passes, they worked. The square ends to the other tight ends worked. These, I don't think these players are drawn up for him. I don't think they're in, incorporating him into the offense. That's what I'm starting to think because whenever they seem to throw him the ball, he drops it. This dating back to his first year with the Browns when, they were, when he was heavily featured in the offense and he had stone hands. And now he has stone hands in this game. And all I heard from people was like in that Kansas City Chiefs playoff game, oh, man. OBJ would have made the difference in this opening season matchup versus the Kansas city chiefs. OBJ would have made the difference. OBJ was on the field this time, not against the chiefs. And we no, no, I'm talking about this game. Oh yeah. This game. Yep. Okay. Didn't throw it to him. Wasn't drawn up for him. And the one that was would have been to the house and he dropped it. So Baker may be a lot of things. He may not be a lot of things. He may be the next coming of Joe Montana. We don't know, but one thing we do know is that OBJ continually drops the ball, and that would have been to the house. Is that a pun or, or no? Literally, <laughs> that's what he said. Literally, he would have been to the house. Now we don't know if that play would have won them the game. That was early in the game and everything like that. But like those type of things stick with you as a quarterback. Like yo, you just dropped that. That was to the house. You're supposed to be my guy. You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be that. And I've been saying he ain't done nothing since that year that they lost to Green Bay in the playoffs with the New York Giants. And people will say this and say, look at these stats and look at this stats. I say, look at the game. And I say, look at all the drops. He had a ton of drops in that game. Had a ton of drops ever since. He's living off that one catch. It's cool to make one-hand catches, all these cool catches that he makes in the warm-ups and everything like that. He ain't making the catches in the game. And that's what really matters. So I think it's safe to say that the trade for OBJ was a bust. There's no knock on anybody. I probably would have made the Dre, too. He's a big time receiver, big time name, and everything like that. You want to get your young receiver, these guys. But it ain't working. And you know who fault it ain't? It ain't Baker Mayfield because dude's dropping the ball. All
2: right. 5 1 8 14 10. Uh, to to Facebook, feed we got Jake Whiting says Jamar Chase doesn't drop the ball. Jamar Chase, what a freaking talent. (laughs) If you're trying to bait me into something, Jake, there's nothing bad I could say about Jamar Chase. Uh, I said at the beginning of the season, if Jamar Chase is not Justin Jefferson, I'm not going to be impressed. He's a touchdown machine. Dude. Like Jamar Chase is a t- I, like when he when they connected on that deep pass yesterday, I'm like you got to be kidding me! Like it's like it's just it, it's crazy to me, and and I don't want to hear anyone say we knew this was going to be the case. You hoped it was going to be the case. No one knows it's going to be the case. You had a quarterback that only played nine games last year, and a receiver who sat out all of his last year in college football. No one knew this was going to be the case, uh, and you know we'll be able to see if they can sustain it. Joe Burrow and him have been fantastic. You're not going to bait me. I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, Chris on Facebook says, I'm not blaming Baker for losing their two games, but he had a chance to win both, and he couldn't do it. I know. It's almost as if he threw an interception in overtime yesterday. Uh, David Shaw says, Stefanski doesn't trust Baker. If he did, they would have called a pass play instead of a draw on 3rd and 10. Shaw, do your homework. Uh, he said he did not have him throw throw it on 3rd and 10 because of the fact that they had two uh, you know, backup O-linemen out there, and he didn't trust that situation of what could have happened if something bad would have happened as far as guys getting to the quarterback. You don't have to believe it. Uh, the only reason I I don't believe that is, and I don't believe you, that they don't trust him because the bottom line is they dropped him back from the same exact spot on the field to drop on the second and ten, and then they go back to hand it off on the third and ten. You flip-flop the timing of those plays, no one's questioning anything. It just I could not believe it when he actually handed it off on third and ten. And maybe, just maybe, Kevin Stefanski took one for the team. Maybe Baker did it. Maybe Baker was an idiot and handed it off. I read that earlier today that there is some speculation out there that Baker changed the play at the line of scrimmage and handed it off as opposed to passing, and that Kevin Stefanski took one for the team in the press conference. I could see that. I, I'm having a hard time believing that an offensive minded head coach like Stefanski would actually call a draw play on a third and 10. I, I just, I, especially when you consider that the defense was so. Bad. I, I can't say what I want. was mm-hmm. so bad. Why? It's not as if the defense was shutting Herbert down. and Like, you know what? We don't need a pass here buried into our territory. Let's just run it. We'll punt it and let our defense win this game. No. That Like, that play to me is what is, like, that's really where I lost my temper. Would you uh, have been mad thinking. if the Browns went for it on fourth down right there? No, because of the standpoint of the defense was so bad that you have to try. The only reason you're still in that game is because they couldn't stop your offense either. And I think down the stretch, the Chargers didn't necessarily stop the Browns' offense. I think the Browns' offense stopped itself uh, because they started playing out of character. So like what I think we're seeing too, Kev, is that last year it was easy to call games for the Browns, and it was easy to be the Browns because if you lose, you're the same old Browns, and if you win... It's a great story. This year it's they're not the, they're not the same old Browns. Everyone that says that you're an idiot. They're not the same old Browns. They're at the point now where they're expected to get to a Super Bowl. So when they lose games they shouldn't, it's a big deal and it's a problem and it's not the Browns being the Browns because the, if the Browns were being the Browns, the Browns wouldn't have Super Bowl expectations. So you don't know what you're talking about when you say stupid things like that. The so Kevin Stefanski I think is feeling the pressure. I think late-game situations are getting to him on how he calls games. Kev, like You know what I mean? Like I think he's feeling the pressure at the same time because expectations change everything. Like the Bengals this year, it's loosey-goosey. It's, oh, well, wow, we almost beat the Packers. Super awesome. It's cute. It's adorable. Next year... You don't get to almost beat good teams anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that's where the Bengals are in their progression. The Browns were in that last year. The Browns this year, they're expected to win. You don't get the benefit of the doubt. The Bengals get the benefit of the doubt this year. Oh, man, we almost beat that good team. Super. It's a cute storyline. You know, six combined wins the last two years, and now you're competing with the top teams. It's a cute storyline. They're not where the Browns are right now. The Browns are expected to win those games. So when they don't, it's no longer me saying, man, the Browns almost had a shot by golly. No. You got to win. You got to be. You got to win those games, especially when it's not as if the Chargers just demolished them from first quarter to fourth quarter. It was they crumbled as the game went on, you know, and that's the problem I have.
3: Yeah, I'm looking back at that before they punted uh, three yards. So let's see, first down, Kareem Hunt off right tackle for a yard. Timeout. Chargers. Second down, shotgun, incomplete pass to Higgins, deep left. Then third and nine, Kareem Hunt for three yards. So they were obviously trying to get the Chargers to burn up all their timeouts and burn time off the clock. For me, I would have preferred something safer. Safer if you're going to pass, especially the one to Higgins, you're going to do something safe. Do something to the tight end. Do one of those swing passes to Kareem Hunt that you're trying to pick up yards, but you keep the clock moving. Because the deep shot is, is, is going to be either incomplete or complete, but Higgins isn't like a burner like that. He's like a, a route runner that goes across the middle and things of that nature. So like that was like a, a losing play to me. Um, You got to do something to keep the clock moving because you get the first downs, game's over. You get a first down, you're kneeling it out, and you're back on a plane ride to Cleveland with a W. So I think you have to be uh, uh, aggressive, but you have to be aggressive in your way that you play the game. Like that deep shot to Higgins is the one that that makes me scratch my head even more, um, because that to me, that was just a loss of a play. Like you got nothing out of it. There was like, I just don't understand the thought process. Of the play call or the execution of the play, because I think you do something that you've been doing all game, which is swing routes to Kareem Hunt or or plays to the tight end. That deep shot that that, they took no deep shots all game. They connected on no deep shots all game. They played within 10 yards of the passing game, and they had explosive plays out of the passing game from those 10-yard passes. So I think you stick with those things that got you the lead in the first place. That deep shot was unnecessary for me. Yeah, and by the way,
2: trade OBJ, it's not working. Just be done because you're right. There was no attempt to go down the field, but in Baker and the Browns' offensive defense here, who's going to beat anyone down the field? Right. Um that was the Bengals' argument for why they got Jamar Chase. They don't have anyone. Now, the Browns are supposed to have that guy. That guy is supposed to be
3: OBJ, and he's not it. Right. He's not doing it. Um, I mean, it, even on the Hail Mary, like, what, they wouldn't even think, <laughs> <that's> like, <laughs> like I mean, that's what he's known for, for making, like, spectacular catches. Isn't, shouldn't he be, like, involved in the Hail Mary, like, if you need a guy to make a crazy catch? So that, that, the Browns aren't, they're just not equipped offensively right now, and let's be clear,
2: even with Jarvis Landry, they're still not equipped to go deep down the field. All right, the Bengals have the best receiving core in the AFC North. I don't give them props for many things at all. They have the best receiving core in the AFC North. I still don't think the Bengals capitalize on how good their receiving core is. They're in the bottom ten in pretty much every offensive statistical category out there. That's a conversation for later in the show. But like they have, like they should, the Bengals should be doing more offensively considering the weapons that they have. Uh, and, and that's the thing. So like the Browns, I'm not, you know, the Browns should they go deep? Yes, Kev, I absolutely believe that they should but I also don't think they're equipped to do it. They technically are supposed to be with OBJ. sorts the young receiver,
3: he's supposed to be a burner. He's a
2: speed guy, and they didn't even use him down the street. They should try it, but it must be something in practice they don't see. And don't tell me Baker can't throw the deep ball. Yes, he can, but who's he going to throw it to? That's, I, I don't know. I, I just think Stefanski still looks like he's toying with this offense to see what he can and cannot do. They just got to get freaking
3: healthy, man. That's what I said. Like, if you're not going to be taking the, uh, a deep shot, then you need to run your offense. Run their offense no matter what. If your offense is a hard play action rollout and hit a tight end, then do that. They didn't do that on that drive where they needed a first down, where a first down could have iced the game. What you should have done, or what I would have preferred done, if I'm a Browns fan, is a hard play action on first down because that's when everybody thinks you're going to run the ball. Hard play action like you've been doing all game long. Hard play action, roll out, hitting Joku. Then on second down, do it again. And then on third down, do it again because you have a dominant run game. You keep play action. That's that's how they drive the ball down the field. Hard play action to make the linebackers come up, and then you get the tight end behind them. You do that three times in a row, you get a first down and you're taking the knee and you're on the plane ride back to Cleveland with a dub. All right. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here. First hour. I mean, my
2: goodness, it's already 3.47. Where the hell did the time go? Uh, I see we have the phone lines full. Uh, no, one just opened up. So 518-1410. I promise you calls are coming on the other side. We appreciate everyone uh, hanging out with us here today. I'm a little fired up. I'm ticked off. I'm being very honest and open about my team. I love my team. I think they, I mean, look, they just put up 500 yards total offense against, by the way, the Chargers, who had one of the top defenses heading coming into that matchup. They were banged up on injuries, Kev the Browns were the ones banged up on injuries. Like, everyone is... Like, this is why that game was so important. Um, I didn't view it as being more important than the Brown, the, the Bengals-Packers um, game because I thought that the, the Bengals had more to gain from a win. But today, the Chargers are... They're the Super Bowl champions because they beat the Browns yesterday. And I'm thinking they beat, and again, I'm not making excuses here, but they did beat up a defense that was totally annihilated from injuries. And everyone's like, they're unstoppable. You can't stop them. You can't stop them. But, you know, it was the Browns' offense who ran and passed all over the Chidum Things, too. We'll be back. 518 1410. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash.
1: the show with Nash presented by Orion Force Medicine
2: The Big Noon Kickoff strikes again The Big Noon Kickoff strikes again when you put all your biggest games on the Big Noon Kickoff what you end up with is a bunch of crapneck games to put at night It was just announced today that Ohio State, the game, that again, they have a bye week that's coming up Saturday. They will return to action in prime time. I think it's prime time. I think that you put crappy games at night now. Ohio State will be at Indiana October 23rd, 7.30, a kickoff, uh, Ohio State in Indiana. That's what the big noon kickoff has done to us. It's given us Indiana and Akron, while teams like Oregon... And Penn State are probably going to be
3: noon kicked. It it sickens me. It sickens me. I know, Kev, you don't mind it. I don't mind it. I I love it, actually. I love it because I think you get better games throughout the day. You get more games throughout the day. Like, think about it this past weekend. You get more games throughout the day. Same amount of games going to be played. No, you get better games throughout the day. You had, think about it like this week. You had the noon game, which was Texas and Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Then you had 4 o'clock game. Penn State, Iowa, and then the eight o'clock game was A and M, Bama. All great games, all great games. But that's not the case every week. And you could Make watch, future. and you could you could watch them individually. There's no flipping back and forth to see. Oh, let me check that score. Oh, let me check to see. I watched them through their entirety. Buckeye mm. fan, and and guess what? What their ratings are up. So it's working. I don't care about them, and if I'm Ohio State, I don't
2: <laughs> care about their ra- bucket ratings. You should sure care about what? their ratings.
3: They signed away their rights. They signed away their rights. You want this big check? You are gonna let us schedule these games? You want this big check? Come up off the game. Because
2: Ohio State knows the only way for them to get money is big noon
3: kickoff. Yeah, no, that's where they get their money from. Get, the no, TV network. They would get their money elsewhere if they had to. Just saying. Hey, they get their money from the TV network. This is the this is the deal that they signed up for. It's lame. It is. No one. I mean, who says you've got to take the biggest games and put them at noon? No one's counter programming, man. Just like yeah. Lifetime, they, they have "Love's have- acronym of the Lights," <laughs> and I was there. Holy smokes! That's what counter programming is. You don't put on. You put on something different than somebody else is putting on. They, like, if ESPN is going to throw away that noon window, why don't you put on something that everybody wants to watch at noon? Well, because the mothership knows. You put your worst games in them because they already have an established program that happens at night. So why try to go ahead and fight something that's already established? Create your own. I like it. ESPN's better, bottom line. Uh they do cut the checks around here, don't they? Oh yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is the quote of the game or the day so far. Uh Mike Nymphers says, Hey man, I'm all about noon games. Never had a DUI at 3 30 p.m. before. We'll be back. (laughs) Hour two coming up next. We're talking Browns Bengals taking your calls to kick things off, and now we're number two. Don't go anywhere.
1: Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN ING Studios for Dayton's only local sports talk show. It's The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine.
2: I don't know what it was yesterday. I don't know if the earth had shifted off its axis or something, but I have never seen so many missed field goals and missed extra points. Field goals are one thing, but the extra points, like, there was multiple in the Browns-Chargers game. Obviously, that was the story of the the Packers and the Bengals game. I've never seen so many kicking blunders. Like, it was crazy yesterday. That, that, That was just insane to me, what we were seeing. Not just in those two
3: games alone, but across the NFL. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't get extra points. Or... Adam Vinatieri, But I think that any field goal, 35 yards in the end, should be hit by a professional kicker. Like, that should be to be expected, as well as an extra point. And kudos to the NFL. Them moving the extra point back has created this whole new thing in the NFL. It has created, like, these dudes missing, and it creates. I moved it back. Yes. I moved it up. Sorry. Yeah. I
2: moved it back, yeah.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. them doing that has created. Teams going for two, like if there's a false start or something like that or in neutral zone infraction on the extra point, you move the ball like a half yard closer, like coaches are going for two and everything like that. And now, you know, back in the day, like the extra point was like literally a gimme like now, like dudes are missing left and right. And it's crazy, man. It is crazy. I mean, the extra points are missed. And let alone that Bengals game where, oh, my goodness. Oh, my In the biggest moments of the games, it wasn't just the Bengals. It was the Packers. I mean, the Packers had the game one. Veteran kicker, too. Yeah. This is not the rookie like the Bengals have, a rookie kicker. Like, this is a veteran who's been in the league for a long time, making game-winning field goals for a long time, missed several. Yeah, it it was not good yesterday for a lot of teams. I mean, that was what
2: was most interesting. How about this? I I did this. I remember uh, when Schlemmer and I did the show, I'd ask this, and, of course, I got reamed for it, but... The purpose of the extra point is what? I've never... I, I mean, because it's always been that way. That's super fancy. Everyone knows that that's the best way to explain things instead of just logically having an explanation about it. If I had my way, extra points wouldn't be a thing. Mm-hmm. You work your ass off to score a touchdown. Touchdown. Seven points for a touchdown and move on. You know what I mean? And I get it, the extra point. I mean, you see the missed extra points yesterday. It leads to drama. It leads to, you know, doors being opened. I get that, but like... You're counting on poor play to open up the door for more exciting play. I just find that to be odd. The purpose of the extra point is what? I think you need field goals, you need kickoffs, all that fun stuff, but... The extra point, it's like in basketball. You make a jump shot, you don't have to go to the free throw line to prove it. You hit a home run in baseball, you don't have to, to, to come back and have another at-bat to prove it. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand the purpose of the extra point other than, well, that's how it's always been. It's part of football. It is what it is. But it's strange to me. I, I just think you score a touchdown, seven points, you kick off and move on. I, I just don't understand it. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of it. I, it. It's such a weird thing for me to say I'm not a fan of. But do you see my point? Like, I know it's always been a part of it. But the purpose of the extra point is what? I mean, it's an extra point. It's in the se- it's in the name of it. I-, I just I'm not a fan of it. I'd rather it just be touchdown, seven points, move on. I, I don't know. To me, it's just strange. And it'll never be taken away because, of course, you have your players' union and you'd be taking away jobs and yada yada. But kick field goals, score touchdowns, call it a day. I hate the concept of the extra point. It just it, it baffles me. You know what I mean? Like, the touchdown is impressive. We saw the Jags yesterday. They come back the first drive. They respond. Urban Myers doing the national championship. You uh, <laughs> fist bump in the air. And then he's running his hand through his hair, stressed out again <laughs> because <laughs> they missed the extra point. But at the end of the day, I'm thinking – Like, that's just negative mojo being created for teams. It just doesn't need to be, like, why even have
3: that? Like, it just doesn't matter. It just seems weird to me. That's all. So, according to this article, uh, touchdowns uh, before 1912 used to only be five points. Uh, after 1912, 19, they increased to six points, and then uh, is was a, bo- a bonus chance for teams to add a, an additional point. So back in the de- those days, when you would score a touchdown, that would be five, and you kicked the extra point, you would get six. And then they increased the value to a touchdown to six points, hence that's the extra points now. One point now, you get seven for that that turn. So that's it go, dates all the way back to 1912. So, and, and f- listeners in the comment section,
2: appreciate you hanging out on Facebook and YouTube. But your thoughts? What? Get rid of the extra point. It 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 creates unnecessary bad plays. Like uh, I don't know, it's just weird to me. I'm not I'm not I'm just not a fan of the extra point. The only thing that happens with it is bad. You make it because you're supposed to make it, but you're supposed to make it because it's easy. But it's like, why even have that in there? No other sport. When you score, do you have to prove it with an extra that that impacts scoring? You know. It's it's just strange to me. I'm not just saying this because like it didn't impact the Browns game yesterday. The Browns game was just poor defense. It was poor defense. Uh you know, the the, the Packers probably win, you know, sooner if extra points aren't a part of that. Thing. It was just strange to me. So, so many missed opportunities. To,
3: according to this article it says the extra point is a reward for a team scoring the touchdown.
2: I don't think. well, let me ask you. Do you think it's a reward? I think it's an opportunity. Mean, because a reward is it should be a little bit more difficult to achieve that award. Oh, it was difficult yesterday. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just think it makes the game look uglier. I think we spent time talking about the ugly aspects of the game instead of the touchdown that came before it. A bad missed uh, extra point, it, it's almost like it erases the six points that were just put up on the board for the impressive touchdown that was scored. I'm not saying to get rid of the kicking game. you got to kick off. You've got to have kickoff returns, punt returns. you got to kick your field goals. Get rid of the extra point. That's all i got to say. Yesterday, it was just so frustrating seeing games – Altered by something as small as that. Now I could just say make the damn things, and I agree. But even when that's where ma- I'm at with it. But even when they're making them, I'm thinking, what the hell? Like it, it just it's strange to me. But let's talk about the Bengals and the Packers. Expectations coming into this matchup between the Bengals and Packers, everyone just assumed outside of Bengals fan out of Bengals country that uh, well the Packers should just run away with this, but the Vegas line did not depict that. I mean, the fact that the the Packers are only favored by three, which coincidentally enough, they win by three, um, it surprised some people. It, you know, as the week went on, you started watching those national shows, listening to those national shows, and the and the Bengals started becoming that sleeper pick for everybody. Everyone's like, look out for the Bengals. They could pull off the upset and, and sp- you know, splash onto the scene. I don't think that the gap between the Packers and the Bengals is all that significant. And I think the Packers are a top five team in the NFL. So I'm complimenting your Cincinnati Bengals, but the difference between the great teams in the NFL and the the marginal teams in the NFL, just those those in between teams, it's the details, it's the it's the little things, and the Bengals are still just not quite there yet. That's not me hating Bengals fans. I think you could even a- accept that if Kev or anyone else was saying this, I think you would nod your head yes. But because I am, you're probably just <laughs> squeezing your fist together, ready to punch me. Um, but that was a hell of a showing for the Bengals yesterday. I. Hold the Bengals to a different standard than the uh, than the Browns because the Browns are, have Super Bowl expectations. The Bengals have expectations of just showing improvement. No, that's not a backhand to compliment. That's common sense. You've won six games the last two years. You've put two hundred plus million into that defense uh, last year. That kind of got negated a bit because of all the injuries. You didn't really get to see Reeder and everybody like in full go. So you didn't get to see last year's hundred million invested in the defense really until it was combined with Hilton and everybody that you added this year. The Bengals' defense, it's not as good as people think. The numbers say otherwise. Like, the numbers say it's not great, but good is still marginally better and vastly improved than where they were the last couple of years. I mean, we were talking with the Bengals how they had historically bad defenses. My only concern is you spent $200 million on the defense just to be still middle of the pack. But you know what they do that I love, even as a Bengals hater? You know what they do, Kev? They hit the snot out of you. Mm hmm. They don't get to their spots quick enough on a lot of situations. They let teams kind of hang around on drives a little too long. But when they hit you, they hit you. They still need to be getting to the quarterback a little bit more. I get, you know, but they they're, they hit you hard. I thought their cornerbacks hit you hard, actually. Yesterday, I'm watching receivers for the Packers, although they still move the ball well. Eli it, Apple yeah. laid the bone. Yeah, they, 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 those guys were getting hit hard. The, pa- the the Bengals' defense, they're hitting you hard. They got, to, they got some improvement to do, but it is... A different defense. I was wrong coming in. I said this coming in this season they didn't improve anything. You let Lawson walk. You replaced him, uh, of course, uh, Hendrickson or whatever his name is. You replaced him with him. Uh, you lost. Uh, you know you bring in a woozy and you bring in Hilton to replace you know a top defensive back that w- left to Washington last year. I'm like outside of that you're bringing the same defense back. But it's just a much different vibe defensively right now because, for one, you have D.J. Reeder. You have some guys that are ready to go. And it's, it's just a different vibe out there defensively. They're swarming to the ball. They look the part. Super. They did that yesterday. The one thing they can hang their hat on is the fact that they, they made Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay work for absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Again, coming from a Bengals hater, these are true observations. They made the Packers work for absolutely everything because we know that Aaron Rodgers, and by the way, he still made the plays he did make yesterday. They weren't easy. Mm-mm. He was thrown off on the run. He was throwing off his back foot on the run. He was connecting deep passes down the field that were pretty heavily guarded um, and covered. So I'll give the Bengals that. They, made, they lost yesterday, but they made Aaron Rodgers. They made the Packers work for every damn yard, every damn point. Literally, they left points off the board because they couldn't hit field goals and extra points. It was a very good— I, if I'm if you're asking me which side of the ball I'm more impressed with, I'm more impressed with the defense than I am the offense. I thought that the offense for the Bengals would be why they had a shot against the Packers. I thought the defense for the Bengals would be why they would not have a shot against the Packers, and it was the other way around. The Bengals you Bengals fans are falling for one big play a game. Don't let don't let that one play a game fool you. This offense is not playing well. The offense is not playing well. You are letting that one long connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase once a game. You're letting that big time connection between them that happens once a game, which is exciting. Even as a non-Bengals fan, I get up for those plays. That's pretty exciting. Out, if you take those one, if you take that one chunk out, that one play a game out, it's a very average offense. It's not a great offense, and it should be better than what it is. Joe Burrow's numbers aren't jumping off the page. The offense for the Bengals is not jumping off the page. They have that one exciting highlight because what you're seeing is is you're seeing Bengals highlights on all these Sports Center and Fox shows and everything, and it's the same highlight every week. It's Jamar, or it's uh, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase, but there's no T. Higgins, there's no Boyd, there's no Mixon, there's no really flow to the offense at all. It's just that one big play a game. They're not efficient on third down. Uh, you know they're, they're not efficient on first down when you start breaking down the numbers. It is interesting watching this. I thought that the Bengals would have a chance yesterday against the Packers because of the offense. And they almost lost because of the offense. They only almost won because of the defense. It is interesting because if that offense would live up to the hype, I do believe that me as a Browns fan, I'd be a little bit concerned. I'd be a little bit concerned. The the offense actually has more to improve on than the defense, but both have been playing stellar this far. Your thoughts on that Packers-Bengals game from
3: yesterday, Kev? Super entertaining. Hey, T. Higgins, catch the ball, bruh. Because you out here dropping passes as well. Uh, Joe Burrow, I don't know what that was in overtime, that interception. I have no idea what that was, like, at all. Uh, The pass that him and uh, I believe it was Boyd, some type of miscommunication. He threw it to the inside. Uh, Boy broke to the outside. I don't know what that was. At the end of the day, they had multiple chances to win the game, and they had multiple chances to win that game because of the defense. Like you said, the defense, you know, they might – Adams got over 200 yards, but he had 11 catches. He had 16 targets. Like, he had a 60-yard reception and everything like that. Nobody else did too much anything. You know, Randall Cobb had a great over-the-middle catch to convert a third down, but I don't remember anybody else making any plays for them. It was basically Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. It was their show, and they put on a show because it was basically – it was almost like offensively Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams versus Joe Burrow and Chase. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what was going on. And what a play that was, the 70-plus yarder. I didn't. I didn't know he caught the pass until he was in the end zone. But well, the defender got a piece of it. Hit his <laughs> forearm. And it like bounced into the bread basket. He caught. And like that's not an easy catch. <laughs> that's definitely not an easy catch. A dude literally flying in front of you, like not flying to hit you, but flying and actually touching the ball and catching it and taking it to the house. And I was blown away by that. But I mean, the way the offense, it's just, they're sputtering. Big plays are a part of football but like seventy yard plays, like that's not something that really happens in the NFL like that. But they're they're getting that between Burrow and Chase. I don't think you want to hang your hat on that. The thing you wanna hang your hat on the way that you play football versus the Pittsburgh Steelers where you had drives. You, had, you drove the football down the field with plays of 10 and 15 and 5-yard plays. These big home run plays, I don't necessarily think you're going to be able to get those off an entire football season. But I don't think we can go too much further without talking about these kicks, man. Because <laughs> the heartbreak that was going through my phone yesterday from all my Cincinnati Bengal friends out there, man. it It, it was just heartbreak, especially when the kicker kicked it. And thought they won the game. Like, he's celebrating. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't think that went in. And, you know, the wife and I were watching the game before the Browns game comes on and everything like that. It's like, yeah, it it went over, right? It was like, yeah, but it got to go over. It It has to go all the way through. It can't hit. And it was heartbreaking to see him celebrate, thinking like, oh, man, I just hit another game winner. I'm a rookie, this, that, and the third. And to see his face go from smiles to frown that quick, it was sad, and then it was funny. And then you kind of knew, like, look, man, if the Green Bay Packers don't win it this year, it's going to be another uh, draw. It's going to be another tie out here. And nobody likes ties, but, you know, it was a great game to watch, man. It was... (laughs) I can't believe how many field goals are missing that game, man. I can't believe it. I think I've think i never seen anything like that before. And is and lucky that there were so many
2: missed kicks to be the headline of why that game went as long as it did. Because that interception was, Ooh, Baker we. doesn't get an excuse. Like, Baker would get ripped for that. Lamar would get ripped for that. Big Ben, of course, would be destroyed for that. So, we're going to hold him to the same standard as of everybody else. You can't make that. That decision. You can't, and he did a good job. To be fair, Burrow le- leads it down the field. Mm-hmm. He did it against the Jaguars. You know, he did it. I mean, they came back against the Bears and had a chance late. Like, they, they're, you know, I, I do feel like the team vibes off of him. Like, they feel like they always have a chance with him out on the field. It. I saw this number the other day in not hating it, their actual numbers. If you look at Andy Dalton at his best and Joe Burrow at his best right now, they're almost the same statistically, but it doesn't feel the same. With well, it on the field, Kev, like it's it's so strange. Burrow just has this factor about him that makes the guys around him believe. Mm-hmm. I don't believe we've seen even the best of Joe Burrow or this offense yet. That's the thing. Uh, but like I said, I thought that the Bengals would have a chance against the Packers because the Packers defense was solid, but it wasn't anything that should shut down Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and so on. I know that you know no mixing and all that stuff. But the bottom line is, is is that the Bengals. They had a chance to win the game, but it wasn't the way I thought it was going to go. I thought that the defense would be torched, but I also thought that the Packers' defense would be torched by the Bengals' offense, and it was the opposite. It was the defense... Did all the talking for the Bengals and the defense for the Packers, uh, you know, did all the talking for them. So, interesting nonetheless. It's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Uh, but, Bengals fans, your thoughts. 518 1410 will open up the phone lines. Uh, those are officially open. Let's hear from the Bengals fans on this Monday following the Bengals' 25 uh, 22 loss at home against the Packers. This is what I meant by. Like, I thought that the majority of the Bengals' wins were going to come on the road, as crazy as that sounds. Their home schedule is brutal, Kev. Like, it's not easy. Like, you know, getting that win against Minnesota was good. They got the Jacksonville win, of course. Uh, You know, but they lost to Green Bay. But, like, they have the Browns at home. They have Pittsburgh at home remaining, which Pittsburgh, you know, showed some life yesterday. They're without Juju Smith for the rest of the season. We'll see how much of an impact that has. Mm. They have that Chargers team at home. They have San Francisco at home. They have Baltimore and Kansas City at home. Now, San Fran, not as strong as I thought coming in. We'll have a shot there. Baltimore. I think that's going to be tough, of course, because it's Baltimore. And then Kansas City can't get a good vibe on them. They, they're beating themselves right now offensively, and that defense isn't good. So it's going to be there's going to be a lot of shootouts potentially for the Bengals moving forward. But they're going to need more out of Joe Burrow. They're going to need more out of Joe Burrow. I know everyone likes to drool over Joe Burrow, but I'm telling you right now, every fan that says Joe Burrow is better than Baker Mayfield and then tells me how bad Baker Mayfield is, why don't you pull up the numbers? You might not like what you see. Because if Joe Burrow's the greatest thing you've ever seen, then Baker Mayfield's pretty damn good, too, based on, well, you guys, your standards. Nash with you here, 518-1410, 518-1410, that's the number to call in and jump in on the conversation. Buckeye fans, we have the Buckeye Roundtable coming up immediately following the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Uh, two hours of Ohio State football talk, of course, there'll also be uh, a spanning of the Ohio Globe, of course, as we'll be, uh, be highlighting some of the top Ohio high school performers from week eight. We are officially entering week nine. We got a big one coming up for our softwater high school football game of the week. Uh, the Springfield Wildcats, concerned with how many teams were missing so many games. I think Springfield had back-to-back weeks where games got canceled because their opponent had COVID. And then they ended up getting, I forgot who Springfield added in week three. But week two, the game against, or week three against Trotwood, that game got canceled. And then their week four game got canceled because of the opponent's COVID outbreak. But they ended up getting someone else on the schedule. I can't remember who. but. Everyone's been in uh, good shape ever since then. So I can't believe that. We're going to be talking high school playoff football coming up around the corner. Playoffs? Exactly. Now, for teams who may not be in the playoff conversation down the stretch, or at least in the playoff conversation now, we'll get back to NFL. We're going to talk some college football coming up in hour number three as well. What a crazy weekend. Number one, Alabama goes down. Ohio State wins convincingly against Maryland. The Bearcats, they follow up their huge win at Notre Dame. um, You know, Facing Temple, not a sexy opponent, but what you do against non-aesthetically a Opponents, while well, you make the game aesthetically pleasing, Unesthetically pleasing because you blow them out, and that's what they did. They they did what they were supposed to. Uh, so we'll talk some college football around the corner and what the playoff picture could look like. Because Oklahoma come coming roaring back the way that they did, Bearcats fans, you have to be unhappy with that. Like you <laughs> were the biggest Longhorns. So everyone was doing the Longhorn uh, throughout the day. Everyone was pumped about that, and then Oklahoma came roaring back for a classic finish. How about that? But we'll get to all of that college football stuff coming up here in a moment. Talked about the Browns to open up. Now we're talking about the Bengals. They, come away, or they, they did not come away victorious. They lost by three against the Green Bay Packers in a game that the Packers were favored by three. Uh, as I stated earlier, the way I had envisioned this game going, I thought that the offense for the Bengals would be what would give the Bengals a chance to win against the Packers. And I thought that the defense would be what would put them in position to lose that game. It was the complete opposite. Uh, The defense held their own against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and the Green Bay Packer offense. Uh, It was the offense for the Bengals that just, they were situationally good. They, you know, the the Bengals hide behind a lot of big plays. Like Jamar Chase is out of that big play element to the Bengals offense. The problem is, is they're averaging about one, two, maybe three, if they're lucky, big plays a game. Outside of that, they're very average offensively. This is not an I hate the Bengals segment, so if you're about to turn it off, don't turn it off. You may not like the numbers, but I'm not making these numbers up. You should be concerned about this as well because I'm trying to figure it out. I said at the beginning of the season that the offensive line was going to be so bad that they weren't going to be able to do anything great offensively. Well, now all of a sudden, for whatever reason, after Joe Burrow was the most sacked quarterback two weeks in, uh, all of a sudden the offensive line has protected the hell out of him. They protected him against the Steelers somehow. They protected him against... Against the Jaguars somehow, and for the third straight week they protected him. And they only got sacked twice. Now he did get hit a lot. I thought that the one play that Joe Burrow went down and injured that was a boneheaded decision, not on Zach Taylor, not on the offensive line, but him. That was that was a dangerous layout. At an unnecessary time of the game. That was his fault. Joe Burrow had no one to blame but himself for that foolish dive that he made. Like, that was not smart. I mean, it is what it is. I'm Him glad did. Daniel he's okay. Jones had the same idea. Yeah. And Daniel <laughs> Jones usually slides, and he usually counts on his speed. Daniel Jones actually went the fastest quarterbacks yes. to the NFL, as crazy as that sounds. But uh, I, I just thought that yesterday's game was kind of, it, it, it signified what the whole season has been. It's been a few big plays, but very, very average play as well. Not making this up. I started looking at this today I'm because I feel like the way the fans talk about this team is that their offense is unstoppable. And to be honest, I don't think that you're that far off. I feel like this offense should be a little bit more unstoppable. I feel like if Joe Burrow is who you tell me he is, they should be better. And they're not. You have Jamar Chase, you have T. Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd, you have Joe Mixon. You have this offensive line that all of a sudden, after making Burrow the most active quarterback the first two weeks of the season, is one of the most untouched quarterbacks since then. Uh, with all of that, this offense should be almost untouchable. Like, that's the thing. With the way the fans paint the picture to me, Joe Burrow's a future MVP candidate, Jamar Chase is the best receiver in football, they the best receiving core when you have Tyler Boyd and, and T. Higgins in there, and then a thousand-yard potential back in Joe Mixon – how are you going to stop the Bengals' offense? I don't technically disagree with that mindset if Joe Burrow is actually as good as what you guys say he is. And the thing is, he's not. He's solid. He's very good. I think he's capable of being a top-ten quarterback. I think Baker Mayfield is a top-ten quarterback. Uh, and to, for everyone out there that thinks that Joe Burrow is better than Baker Mayfield, the numbers just don't show that. You're going to hate this. But Joe Burrow is Baker Mayfield. Joe Burrow is Baker Mayfield. So we'll get to that in a moment. But the Bengals offense, there should be more, the expectations should be higher for this offense. And it's it's a little underwhelming, to be honest with you. In total yards, Kev, the Cincinnati Bengals offense, they're a bottom 10 team in the league. They're 23rd in total yards. In total yards passing, with the God himself, Joe (laughs) Burrow, they are bottom 10 in total yards passing, Kev. Um, with total yards rushing, even as much as I like Joe Mixon. I've always been a Joe Mixon fan. I, I know how good he's capable of being, and I know he was out against the Packers, but my goodness, they're still in the bottom 12. In tor- I mean, they're 20th in total yards rushing on the season, and then they're 17th in scoring. I think what what's happening with Bengals fans and a lot of the NFL world right now who want to get on the Bengals bandwagon and do what you guys please, but keep in mind, you guys are falling for the big play every game like that that one big play joe burrow to jamar chase cuz that's what leads sports center not leads sports center but that's what you see on sports center every bengal's highlight is joe burrow drops back deep pass humongous connection between him and jamar chase for a long touchdown score and then you take that out and it's like oh yeah joe burrow's not uh, he's not really killing it with everybody else that maybe it's tyler boyd Maybe it's T. Higgins not having his greatest second year as what he did in his rookie year. Whatever it is, it doesn't make sense. Because I would expect everyone's numbers to be down if the O-line was as bad as I thought it was going to be. It is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Joe Burrow's not getting sacked. He's not getting touched. But yet somehow, the numbers aren't good. Because I was of the belief that, hey, you protect Joe Burrow, everything will fall into place. And it's not falling into place. They should have routed the Packers yesterday yesterday and they looked very average against the Packers yesterday. The defense is the only reason the the uh, Bengal the well the Bengals defense in the inept kicking game <laughs> of of the bank of the steel or my goodness of the Packers is the only reason the Bengals had a chance to win that. So, I'm not hating here. All I'm trying to say is that with I'm hating when I say it, but you fans should be expecting more out of this offense. If T Higgins and and Boyd and Burrow are as good as what you say, cuz Jamar Chase is living up to that hype. They should be better. They should not be bottom twelve, bottom ten in every statistical category out there. I think that's a problem. Kev, what say you? I'm not liking the interceptions from Joe Burrow. The,
3: inter- the turnovers, I <laughs> I left that out. I was being nice. <laughs> I, I I didn't even think about like none of the numbers or you know I'm like, like a big numbers guy and everything like that. The turnovers for me, I, that is just just plain and simple. Like, yeah, two yesterday. The one, fine, you know, dude made a play on the ball. It's, it's going to happen. You're going to throw interceptions as a quarterback. That's fine. But that, I know we talked about it earlier, but that one inside, in overtime, unacceptable. Obviously, the three, first, uh, the Bears, uh, one, all right, he got hit. The dude called it interception, fine, sack, fumble, whichever way you want to call it. Turnover, turnover. But the other two. Bad throws. So whatever it is, is it kinda like how we talked about before where like our dudes ramping up for the season by not playing preseason or very vanilla in training camp? Uh is it that? Because you know, when Patrick Mahomes started the season he came out guns a blazing and he played a ton in the preseason. Is it that? I don't know what it is. All I know is the dude throwing a lot of interceptions and turning the ball over. You can't win like that, especially, you know, what I'm saying it's his second year. I know he only played nine games last year and everything like that. But in the ideal world, you want to start where you uh, pick up where you left off last year and where he left off last year. He was getting hit a lot more than he is this year. So, if you're not getting hit as much, you expect yourself to play better. And he's not playing as good as he did last year. You know, uh, you think about that game versus the Browns and everything like that. Think about how he played in that game. Like, he was outstanding in that game. Yeah, they lost the game, but he was real good. I don't think outside of the Steelers game and the second half versus Jacksonville, he's played real good football. Yeah, they have a winning record, but I don't think he's played – joe burrow football i don't think he's clicking on all cylinders is it the receivers not getting separation i don't know is it that you know t higgins has got a case of the drop season everything like that but the guys that he has rapport with is obviously chase and i'm sorry i can't pronounce his name but the tight end he has great rapport with them so whatever they're doing Give it to Chase and the tight end more because those guys he has great rapport with and they're not dropping a ball like T. Higgins. Ron Mullins
2: on Facebook says, unfortunately, you aren't wrong about Joe, but he hasn't really played a full season yet. Just hold on. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. He actually has played a full season. Yesterday was his 16th game as a pro. So he's technically played a full 16 game regular season now. And again, whatever, it is what it is. But like I like we're seeing greater strides From other young quarterbacks in the NFL, Justin Herbert bursted onto the scene, and he didn't need a full season to burst onto the scene. And don't tell me that he didn't burst onto the scene until this year. He shattered every rookie quarterback record last year, uh, and and no one wanted to talk about it or hear about it because that meant having to admit that Joe Burrow, that Justin Herbert was better. By the way, I'm not saying Burrow's bad. I look at Burrow, and Baker's numbers are very similar. Now, of course, Shaw, with his big, ginormous brain, he says, (laughs) I don't see how 11 touchdowns and four touchdowns are the same. I forgot, you have to talk in smaller words to Shaw. So Shaw, yes, those touchdowns are more than Baker Mayfield, but they also play in completely different style of offenses. Joe Burrow's numbers should not be anywhere close to a run-first offense that is the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. But yet, Joe Burrow only has 29 more passing yards on the season than Baker Mayfield. He has more touchdowns than Baker Mayfield, but what I find interesting is, is that last year, Joe Burrow had more passing yards than Baker Mayfield, but Baker Mayfield had more touchdowns. This is at a stretch when B- Joe Burrow was still playing, and I remember this because I, I keep notes on this stuff. Because you Bengals fans kill me. I know. I know Shaw, you're not a Bengals fan. I don't even know what you are, but uh, you, you know, uh, <laughs> last year I remember when Baker Mayfield had more touchdowns than Joe Burrow. Everyone was like, Yeah, well, Joe Burrow has more passing yards. So this year, it's Joe Burrow has more passing touchdowns, and it's, well, Joe Burrow's better. He has more. He has more passing touchdowns. And he has more passing yards. He has 29 more passing yards than Baker Mayfield. I, I'm just saying. Yesterday, Joe Bur- or Baker Mayfield threw for 300 yards against a top five defense in the NFL. I, I'm not saying Baker. I'm not saying Joe Burrow is bad. I'm just saying Joe Burrow is about what Baker is. And Jamar Chase. I was. I'm not going to say I was wrong about Jamar Chase because I never said that the Bengals should not have selected him. Because I didn't think he was talented. I just didn't think that that was the need that they needed to address at the time until they made sure that Joe Burrow had all the protection that he needed. Uh, But even, like Jamar Chase is even better than I think anyone had anticipated. I think everyone knew he would make a splash under the scene, but this is different. But like I said, I think people are falling for the fact that the Bengals have one big play game. And that's leading all the sports centered highlight shows, and that's what's being talked about on the radio: is is Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. But if you take that connection out, and you can't, and I don't expect you to, but you do have to look at: are they becoming too one dimensional with Jamar Chase, and then that's it? Because T Higgins is good, right? Mm-hmm. Boyd is good, right? Boyd
3: Mix, is definitely good.
2: Mixon is good, right? All I'm saying is is you guys should be expecting more from this offense. You're, what you're falling for are these brief glimpses in games where they look unstoppable for a drive or two, and then they look below pedestrian after that. You can't tell me that Burrow and Baker's numbers being so similar doesn't bother you a bit because you try to convince me that Baker's numbers are so horrible, but yet there's Burrow's numbers right up there with his, and yet you're sitting here telling me that Burrow's the greatest thing uh, since Joe Montana, and I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you on that.
3: I do need to correct myself. Both interceptions were horrible from Joe Burless, uh yesterday. Uh, the one on the sideline where he should have just threw it away, where he tried to force it in to, I want to say, it was to Alden Tate. That was terrible. A terrible decision. Just throw it out of bounds, live the fight, another down, and then obviously the one in overtime. So both of his turnovers yesterday were horrible. Another thing that we as fans need to realize, like quarterbacks are put in different offenses. So the things that they're asking – Joe Burrow to do is are very like complex they're asking him to like all right we're gonna put you in the shotgun a ton we're gonna ask you to read a defense a ton and and make these decisions and everything like that what the Browns do with Baker Mayfield is they eliminate a lot of that stuff for him they say look we're gonna give you a play action and you read high to low so if the deep dude is open, you throw it to him. If he's covered, you throw it to the next level dude, which is normally the tight end. And if they miraculously ever decide to guard the tight end, he dumps it off to the running back. So the, the concepts are totally different in how they approach the game. So that is the actual reality. But all that said is he's put in this position to throw the ball a ton, especially last year. But when you're given this responsibility as a quarterback to make these decisions and they're putting a the ton on your plate, you can't turn the ball over. And when you got six interceptions and at least, let me see, there's two yesterday, at least four of them are your fault. At least four of them are your fault. Like, you know, we talked about how with um, Jameis Winston, 30 for 30 situation, mm-hmm. I went and watched all of them. Seven of them were Tips off the wide receivers' hands, and some of those situations, the interceptions I'm seeing from Joe Burrow are bad decisions. Like thrown directly to DBs or linebackers, that has to stop. You can't give away possessions. And think about the one in overtime, like it was on their side of the field. Like this is not like it was their a, game. Yeah. It w- it wasn't on the other side of the 50 where they was going to have to have them drive the length of the field to kick a potential game winner. Like, they were in field goal range as soon as he threw the interception. Luckily, they missed it for his sake. They had another opportunity to drive down. They missed their kick, and then, <laughs> then uh, Green Bay came back and actually won it with their kick. But you can't turn the ball over like that, man. He's turning the ball over at, at an alarming clip. He has 11 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Like, You can't do that. Ideally, for a season, you want to throw 11. He's going to hit that. He's going to hit 15, 16 at this rate.
2: Uh, yeah, and five one eight fourteen ten by the way, and of course I'm um, getting a lot of. The, we got Charlie you
3: know, on the line by the oh, way.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, Doug Toby says, "How did Baker do his first sixteen games?" Uh, you know, actually, let's talk about how Baker did his first sixteen games. He had more touchdowns than Joe Burrow did his first sixteen games. He had, uh, I think, uh, two hundred less passing yards than Joe Burrow has his first sixteen. But again, Baker plays in a run first offense. My point is, is Joe Burrow is leading a pass first offense. And his numbers are very similar to Baker Mayfield, who run who leads a run first. But, folks, this isn't an opinion. You don't got to get angry. You're, this is a classic shoot-the-messenger situation because you hate the messenger, and that's totally fine. <laughs> but, like, you're angry at me for facts, and I don't get why. I mean, I get why. It's just kind of petty even on for you guys. I mean, like, I'm the king of petty. I, I mean, seriously, I should get a crown for being King Petty. I know what petty is, but you guys are being even more petty. 'Cause you're mad that I'm bringing this up. All I'm saying is is like I'm I agree everyone out there that thinks I think Joe Burrow is terrible, I don't think he's terrible. I'm just telling you. I think he's pretty damn good because I think Baker Mayfield's pretty damn good and his numbers are very similar to Baker Mayfield's. He is not head and shoulders better than Baker Mayfield, and that's what's driving you guys nuts. That interception in that overtime, I can admit, that was Baker esque. That's pretty damn Baker esque right there. <laughs> just say it. So, yeah, and Kev brought up the turnovers. That is a problem. That was a, turno- that was a problem for Baker in his second year. He had eight turnovers last year. He has two so far this year. He has two touchdowns this year. The touchdowns, I would love to see Baker. Or Baker has four touchdowns this year. He had two touchdowns yesterday. And to be fair, I've, if, for those of you who have selecting hearing issues, you can ask Kevin. I ripped Baker the last couple of weeks, too, saying, hey, what the hell, man? You got to you got to lead more scoring drives, you know, the run games doing their part. I am just as critical of my offense, my team's offense and my team's quarterback as I am yours. Stop taking it so personal. I'm not making these numbers up, you know, and and I see someone else. I think it was. uh, Let's see who else we got on here. Uh, Someone said play calling. I think. Oh, yeah. Brian Hetzel play calling. What do you mean play calling? Play call. So when the Browns don't call a lot of passing plays and bad passing plays for Baker Mayfield, it's because they don't trust Baker and Baker's bad. When they don't call enough passing plays and call the Bronx passing plays for Joe Burrow, it's because Joe Burrow's good and he's being held down. Like, you guys, stop moving the goalposts here. I'm not bad. If I'm saying that Baker Mayfield, I look at him as a top 10 quarterback, and I'm saying that Joe Burrow's very similar to Baker Mayfield, why are you getting offended? Because what you're mad about is that you've tried telling me how horrible Baker Mayfield is, but yet their numbers are pretty damn identical, and that's what bothers you. I'm, s- I'm not saying he's bad. But these Bengals' offensive numbers aren't good either. Bottom 10 in total yards, bottom 10 in total passing yards, bottom 12 in total rushing yards, and that should be their strength of Joe Mixon. I know he was out yesterday, and he would have played a huge difference in that. No, he, play. he uh, played. He played. Limit- I'm sorry, yeah, yes. Limit but snaps, th- yeah. but th- the point is, just like it's just at the end of the day, people relax. I'm not saying it I'm just saying the, the Bengals are 3 and 2 they could be 4 and 1 they should have won yesterday they should have beat the bears this could potentially be a 5 and 0 team but they just haven't got there yet and I believe that they're close they've already improved protecting Joe Burrow I didn't think they could do that, and they did. I was wrong about that. I don't think that offensive line is perfect. I think they're going to get exposed more as bigger and better teams come along, but they've they've held their own for three straight weeks. There, there has, there's a lot to be said about that. The improvement of the defense. They hit the snot out of you. They're still pretty average defensively, but they're improved. They're going in the right direction. I'm not saying they're not. All I'm telling you is just slow down with the expectations as far as who they are because the numbers don't tell that same story. five one eight fourteen ten 1410 Kev, who did you say we have? We got the one. The only. Charlie. Charlie. How are you, my friend?
4: Good. How are you guys today? Good.
2: good. Did you have a good weekend, man?
4: Yeah, man. Real good weekend. I learned three things this weekend watching sports. Oh, boy. Um, you got uh, Fury is the undisputed heavyweight champion. He made his point. That was... That was uh, maybe the most fun boxing match I've watched in 20 years. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know how long ago it was that I've watched a fight that good. Um, apparently, Paul Brown Stadium's the hardest stadium to kick a field goal in. I never knew that.
2: <laughs> I said the earth is, like, like, shifted off its axis or something. I'm not really sure what happened yesterday. It wasn't just that game, but it seemed to be the central. And Cincinnati seemed to be the central of the problem, right?
4: It here, Here's what ha- I was so exhausted from watching that game, I really did want to watch Cleveland. I went to bed at six. I I, I couldn't watch no more football. I was I've never game. I guess so. I was getting texts from other. Is this what it's like? I'm like no. I don't know what I don't know what's going on here. But uh, you know something has to be true about the Bengals offense. Either our players aren't as good as we thought, or our play calling is not very good. One of those things is true, and I think it's the play calling, because I don't know how in the world Tyler Boyd had the game he had last week against Jacksonville, and he basically wasn't in the game plan yesterday. And at this point with T. Higgins, I mean, we might as well trade him if we're not going to use him. You know, he's such a big target, and I feel like he's – I know he missed a couple games, but I don't know, man. It's, It's frustrating. And, uh, They're you know, not bad. They're, they are
2: They are not bad. They are well on their way to being an elite offense. And I think that, like I said, if you take away the shock and awe plays of, of Burrow and Jamar Chase, it's a little underwhelming. But what I don't understand is that they didn't have Jamar Chase last year, and they were overwhelming offensively. Like, I couldn't believe that with as bad as that O-line was for Joe Burrow, the dude was putting up 300 yards like it was nothing. And, I, and, again, a lot of that was situational. You're playing from behind, and a lot of teams playing prevent, and you're taking what the defense gives you. And that's not a slight in the face of Joe Burrow. That's just the difference between last year and this year. The Bengals have had leads. You know they're they're trying to hold on to leads, and they're you know what I mean. They're trying to play a more balanced game. That's why the numbers don't look like last year. I believe Burrow's capable. I'm not saying not. I know people are calling in right now, yelling at my producer, getting mad at him because of me. Uh, it, 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 it's ridiculous, man. Like so, just people need to relax. I'm just pointing out that hey, I, I would be a little concerned that the offense isn't exploding the way many people had anticipated.
4: Well, I think they really do want to establish a run game. And I, I don't think our run blocking is that good. You know, I mean, there's play here or there that's okay. I watch other teams play, like you watch highlights and stuff, and it's crazy the difference. It, but, but I just don't understand how you have so many targets and you think you're going to try to become a running team. You know, it's like, I guess if you get up on a team, maybe run the ball to try to run the clock out, that's fine. But see the, I, don't the, the I don't know. The Browns have you, the opposite I'm, problem. I'm like kind of confused. On who they are. On, 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 our, on our offensive strategy. Because you know what? I was listening a little bit ago down in Cincinnati. They were talking about that Jamar Chase play. And they were like, if you take that play away, you only had 10 yards of offense in the second quarter. And that's not a play that was called. That's just a scramble, you know. That's not – they didn't plan for Jamar Chase to run around and – you know what I mean?
2: No, that's a good point. Real quick, I wanted to feed off what you said earlier. You brought up, you you know, kind of confused on who they are offensively. You you have all these weapons with the receivers, but you want to establish the run game. The Browns are kind of that different situation where, you know, many people argue, do they not let Baker pass because they don't trust him? I think it's that. I'm not saying – look, I, I know Baker has his limitations. I'm not dumb. I, over, I overhype Baker. I get that. But I do believe that they don't let Baker throw as much, mainly because they feel like our strength is our run game. We can't go away from Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I don't care how good Baker is. We just cannot, uh, you know, do that. So I, I think that it's the opposite situation. where You guys have so many great receivers. It's like, how do we go away from that to a really good running back in Joe Mixon? Like, how do we balance that? And I think it's two young head coaches trying to balance that in Stefanski and Zach
5: Taylor.
4: Well, here's the thing I'll say about the Browns. I don't know how you can be critical about the Browns and put up 42 points
5: mm-hmm.
4: or whatever they did yesterday. Is that the total they put up?
2: Yeah, 42. You know, it wasn't yeah. – I, mean, they, they... I mean, that's just that's just your your defense lost
4: your game. That's, that's just what that is. You put up 42 points and lose, that's on your defense. If the Bengals put up 42 points in every play, we'd be undefeated. We just don't put up the – like, we should – I don't understand how – sometimes when they throw it to, like, Chase and stuff, it's so effortless. I'm like, who is guarding Tyler Boyd and who is guarding T. Higgins? Because (laughs) it's not their best guy. That guy's on Chase. Like, how Tyler Boyd should be automatic. Like, he should always be open because you're going to get their third best cover. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – I'm just confused – and what I'm watching. And and I think most of the big plays that we've had are plays that Joe Burrow's checked
2: into. You know what I mean? Like making the adjustments. Like, and, and Charlie, you know, hey, it's 4.54 and I'm out of time, but you bring up a lot of good points, and I know we'll talk about this more throughout the week. I appreciate you calling, man.
4: Hey, oh, the the one other thing, Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. I learned that, too.
2: yeah. That was I uh, I think that they do a different like they don't have the defense but they have the sexiest offense in Iowa and Penn State it's all about the defense Penn Nobody State can hang with about. them. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a fun couple weeks coming up after this game. See, see, see guys, see you guys, or see you, man, take care. Five, one, eight, 14, Uh, You know, people are getting mad. I get it. at I me. Mean, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not trying to stir the pot here. You know, I know that's always my favorite that you're stirring the pot. I don't even know what that means. Every conversation we have on radio should be an interesting conversation uh, to have a conversation. We're having a conversation. I'm telling you how good I think Baker Mayfield is. You tell me how bad he is. I'm telling you, Burroughs' numbers are actually pretty similar to Baker Mayfield's, and you're mad at me for that, even though I'm not making up the numbers. He has 29 more passing yards on the season than Baker Mayfield, who you tell me can't throw, but yet your quarterback only has 29 more passing yards, and somehow I'm the bad guy. doesn't make sense. Uh, I believe we have Justin. Is this Justin? Yeah. What's up?
5: No, first-time caller, um, you claim to be a Browns fan, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, well, I listen to your show pretty much every day, and you're always taking all of this time talking about the Bengals, trying to get all these Bengals fans all hyped up and all this. Can we talk about the Browns for a minute? Well,
2: if, uh, sir, I talked the entire first hour and 10 minutes of the show was nothing but the Cleveland Browns. And I don't mind talking oh. Browns at all. I promise, I really don't. We did. I opened up with the Browns today. You seem a little agitated, but we did. The first hour and ten minutes. Oh, of I'm not show, agitated. Well, the first hour and ten minutes was about Baker. And, or, I'm sorry about the uh, about the Browns and, and the tough game against the Chargers. But I have no problem answering a Browns question.
5: We're having
2: a Browns well, conversation.
5: Can we talk. Can we talk about how um, Stefanski is? He is holding Baker back. You and, and Baker. Baker has four touchdowns, not two, but you're right about it. he has two interceptions. But we can't just run the ball, I mean, and win against good teams. That that proved it yesterday. We had over 250 yards rushing, 42 points. First team ever to score 42 points with no turnovers and 500-plus yards and lose a game. As, like, first team ever to do that.
2: No, I'm with you. Here's the problem, though. I agree with you that I'm not I'm not a big fan of the limited quarterback usage, heavy run game usage in the NFL. It's good enough to win you regular season games. Justin, it's not going to get it done in the playoffs. Uh, the teams that, you know, really have the most success in the playoffs are the teams that can air it out. Now, you need to have a balance with the run game, and the Browns have that most important aspect checked off. Great offensive line play. And let's be honest, I know they played really embarrassingly bad defensively yesterday, but they had two of the best defensive performances in the NFL the previous two weeks combined. Injuries, you know, messed up their defense. Justin, I'll say this, though. I thought yesterday was a good balance of the run in the pass. Baker Mayfield had one of his be- probably his best game of the season. Didn't turn it over. Two touchdowns, 300 yards against a top-five defense in the Chargers. The problem is the defense was so beat up and bad that they couldn't get a stop, and it changed how Stefanski was calling the game. Stefanski got exposed. The Chargers
5: are not a top-five defense. Top, uh, no against no the pass?
2: way. Against the pass? Yes, they are. Then okay, uh, well, pass you, And again, you get the pressure on the that's fine, but I'm and talking yes, about like from the, Baker Mayfield's standpoint, for him to be able to do that was pretty impressive.
5: Well, let's talk of the two the two gyms that we had on defense, right? Yep. Minnesota and the Bears. Okay. So why why didn't why didn't we do any of that stuff that that we did so well yesterday? We didn't bring any pressure. Um like Joe Woods, like I don't know if what what he's thinking, like I don't I just don't get it like this dude is clearly not not the right coach to coach this defense
2: that I'll give you. I haven't been a fan of that. I got silent on that the last two weeks because how dominant they were. But a lot of the stuff we saw yesterday is the same thing that got them beat all last season, especially against the Chiefs and the and teams that could air it out. in the Steelers, the first game, receivers are catching the ball wide open, and then the the DBs are chasing the ball down as opposed to being glued to the like. It just it drives me nuts. Like receivers are catching wide open passes every time, uh, and that's not okay. And we saw that last year. I'm with you. I'm not a big Woods guy. I got silent the last two weeks because they suffocated both the Chiefs and the Bears, but uh, obviously they ran into a buzzsaw
5: yesterday. Yeah, and what's with our receivers, when you see us making catches, we're all tested. There's never wide open Browns receivers running around. And that's what I'm saying about Stefanski is like, I'm a big Stefanski fan, um, but I'm not one of these Browns fans that's just going to be happy because we're winning games now. Like, most Browns fans around here, you talk about Baker and you're not a Browns fan, and and this and that. But I I don't know what's going on with Stefanski's route tree or what, but like, or it might be Baker not making his progressions, or, or I don't know. But somebody's got somebody's got an answer for why all these other people are wide open all the time, and we're. I mean all we do is run run the ball and throw screen passes. That's all we do. We're predictable as hell. And I don't even see us winning more than 10 games if we keep doing this. And we probably ain't going to make the pay, the playoffs with that record with everybody else playing so well in the AFC. And if the Bengals get a good coach, they're going to be they're going to be trouble in the AFC North. So All
2: right. Well, Johnson, I appreciate you calling, man. Good hearing from you. Take care.
5: Yep, you
2: too. Yeah, Yeah, talked an hour and a half, an hour, 10, hour, 20 minutes of Browns. I don't mind continuing to talk Browns. I'm just saying it was just time to talk Bengals in hour number two. an hour number two went by in the snap of a finger. How about that? 518 uh, 1410. That's the number to call in and jump in on the conversation. This message on Twitter, and you could tweet the show at 1410Kinner at 1410KINNER. Aaron on Twitter says, I actually like where the offense is at. Talking about the Bengals. The Bengals are supposed to be a year away. I, I don't know in what universe you think they're supposed to be a year away. A year away from what? Like, that sounds like excuse-making. I mean, this team, it was all about being a year away from finding, it off, finding out whether you had an offensive line. But Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, year two. Jamar Chase is playing better than most veteran wide receivers right now. What do you mean? What do you mean a year away? You have four years to do something with Burrow's rookie contract. You didn't who you said you're a year away. I view you as a year away because I didn't think they were talented enough, but clearly the talent's there, but I also don't think the offense's dynamic is what everyone's making it out to be. Uh, Aaron goes on to say, I want to see where they're at in week 10 or so or next year. Either way, they're ahead of schedule right now. They are not ahead of schedule right now. They're not ahead. They're, they're beating the teams they should beat and they should have won yesterday and that would have been that, that game that would have totally changed my view of where they're at right now, but the thing is, like everyone's acting like they're on cloud nine because they started out three and one, but they're Bottom 10 in in total yards offense. They're bottom 10 in passing yards, even with Joe Burrow and the offensive line protecting him and Jamar Chase. You're falling for the one big play a game and acting like, oh, man, this offense is so great. Did you see that pass from Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase? Yeah, I saw that one pass from Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. And then after that, it's just a lot of average. The Bengals' offense is average, and it it should be way better than average. Not hating. It's just common sense. It's The Facts. We'll be back. Hour three coming up next.
1: Listen, stream, watch. It's The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash right here on Dayton Station. Now, let's send it to the WING studios for Dayton's only local sports talk show. It's The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine.
2: We are back. Hour three. It's the Johnston Kinner show with Kev Nash presented by Orion sports medicine. Just a reminder, Buckeye fans Buckeye Roundtable coming up immediately following the Johnston Kinner show with Kev Nash, two hours of Ohio state football talk coming your way. Of course, uh, we'll hear, uh, skip Masik and Paul Keels. They'll break down the win over Maryland this past weekend. CJ Stroud. Remember that horrible quarterback? <laughs> I'll never forget that. I'll never understand. Like, so there's two things that have happened. This Browns chaos kind of reminds me of the Buckeye chaos. Uh, too many people today focused on Baker Mayfield and the officiating instead of what really was the problem with the Browns yesterday, and it was defense. And that's kind of where I'm at with Ohio State. Too many people focused on CJ Stroud on the offense instead of what actually was the problem, and that's defense. Because let's be clear. As fans, we don't follow defenses. We just care about offenses. We care about the sexy plays. You know, we care about the Jamar Chases to, you know, Joe Burrow to Jamar Jamar Chase. We only care about that. If we actually knew what we were talking about, you would actually pay attention to, you take out those sexy plays that it's actually the other things that impact the game jamar Jamar chase has been on the receiving end of some fantastic uh, passes from joe burrow but you take that out and the bengals are very pedestrian even with those big plays the bengals offense is very pedestrian uh doug toby on facebook kev says two or three different plays for cleveland and the bengals this week and this show is totally different about how great they both are no i don't think so uh i mean about the Browns, yeah. And I'd be saying more about, yeah, it would be more positive because the Browns and Bengals would win. But let's say that the Bengals make that field goal and that Joe Burrow does not throw that late game crunch time situation. Yes, he threw an interception in overtime. Even if the Bengals would have beat the Packers yesterday, that still does not take away the fact that they're bottom 10 in total offensive yards, bottom 10 in passing, uh, bottom 12 in total yards rushing, and 17th in scoring. That doesn't change that if they win yesterday. My point was not to bury the Bengals. My point was I feel I'm agreeing with Bengals fans, and I feel like they should be a lot further along offensively. Like they look too good on the field, but the numbers don't support what you're witnessing and there's just a lot of mistakes it's still to be buttoned up they're all learning I get it but you have too many veterans on this team as well for them to be making these kind of mistakes and Zach Taylor should not get the benefit of the doubt he's an offensive-minded coach if this team should have any deficiencies it should be defense because the offensive-minded head coach should have all that buttoned up just like we saw with the Browns how important like Stefanski got there the offense was just night and day better and that's what the brown the Browns are a great offensive team could be way better in the passing game, not denying that. But that's what's crazy is Zach Taylor for being an offensive minded coach is not having an offensive impact on this team. It's more offensive than offensive.
3: Um, what people got to realize, man, the NFL most of these games come down to the last possession. There's very rarely that a spread is over seven points in the NFL. Most of these games, like even if they're you know a team that is supposed to be terrible like the scores that we see in college we don't see that in the NFL we're not going to get an Ohio State 60 whatever they scored this past weekend to whatever they gave up that like, we're not going to see that in the NFL in the NFL most of these games do come down to a possession or two no matter how bad the team is versus how good the team is I mean look you can look at the new England the Patriots uh, Texans game everybody picked the Patriots, to blow them out. Like, oh, man, Bill Belichick going up against a rookie quarterback. Yeah, the Texans led most of that game, but the Patriots came back and won by three. You know what I'm saying? So, like, this whole thing, like, oh, man, we should be steamrolling these teams. We should be blowing these teams out. Like, that just don't happen like that in the NFL. Yeah, you get your your your, your one-offs. Like, what, what was it last week? The uh, the Bills beat the Dolphins 40 nothing, which was... Amazing by Startouts the way. Shutouts
2: in football don't happen. Like that, <laughs> that was rare. You have to have a beyond off day to be shut out. Yeah. So like, the yes, players put up points even with having their quarterback sacked nine times <laughs> against the Browns. You,
3: bad teams put up points. Yeah. So even if I think if the scores were reversed, like if I think that goes in any game, if one play goes your way versus the other, it's going to swing the whole momentum. Because I do. I know we were talking earlier about like the the referees and everything like that. I do believe if the Browns get off the field in that situation where they're up a touchdown and they're receiving the ball again and everything like that, that bogus pass interference isn't called on them. I do believe that the Browns go on to win that game. And I do believe if a couple plays don't go the Cincinnati Bengals way or if they make a play on the other side, they do have a chance to win those games. It's, It's inches, man. And I know it's super cliche, but Watching these games, man, you can find the the turning point in a lot of these games. Like, well, if that goes our way, we we probably win this game. And I I know we're harping on, it. I'm harping on it a lot more than you are, but I we got to do something about officiating, man. Officials, man, like they're becoming a lot of the story nowadays, man. I don't know if it's because we watch it on TV a ton and we get every angle that the referees not getting, but I don't know what can be done about refereeing in high leverage situations in sports, but it's a lot of weird calls going on out there, especially in football right about now, for, for my taste. And, and I'm a person that still believes that, you know, bad calls are a part of the game and you have to overcome them and everything like that. But that pass interference for the Browns yesterday, man, ooh, that was bad. That was offensive pass interference. And I don't understand how come that's not a challengeable call. I just don't get it. It's like, I think there's a lot of convoluted rules in the NFL and things that should be simple that aren't in the NFL. Like, you can't, you can challenge the spot of a ball, but you can't challenge a call unless it's a certain time of the game. Like, it's a lot of stuff that goes on in the NFL that I just don't understand nor like.
2: And that's fine, but what I have a problem with is fans who hold the officials to a higher standard than their own team. Uh, The officiating, that play call, that official. It coming down to that pass interference or non-pass interference call. Uh, it, that should not have even had an impact on the game at all. It shouldn't have come down to that. Like the problem I have is when you hear Baker Mayfield and you hear Stefanski in the post game talking about how officiating needs to be buttoned up. I'm like, y'all need to hold your defense accountable. That was P-Poor. I mean, that receiver, I can't remember the receiver's name for the Chargers. Mike Williams, White he's Williams. on my fantasy football team. Say, yeah, I appreciate you know. it. Say, you, yeah, of course, you're not <laughs> mad about that. Like, that's the problem I have. And I'm consistent on this. Like, you you know me. Even going back to that Fiesta Bowl game for Ohio State years ago, I don't change. I am adamant. I know officiating sucks. But you, we, we can't control it. So you can only control what you are capable of doing. And what you can control is not letting a Chargers receiver be wide open on an island. We call it butt naked. Butt naked. I was literally just as (laughs) butt naked as Kev said. (laughs) Butt naked. Like, that's the problem I have. If, if it, like, it's like there were so many mistakes made by the Cleveland Browns that they had the audacity to bring up the, the blown call from the, the official, and that's the problem I have is we, we too many times hold the officials to higher standards in our own teams. Oh, the officials need to do their job. Well, don't you think the defense needs to do theirs? It's not just that you gave up the points. It's how the Browns were giving up right. the points. They were giving, up, giving them up in large chunk plays, and the Chargers weren't even – and Herbert's the real freaking deal. I, it, he most likely is going to win MVP this year unless Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden just has this major – like turnaround, which who knows. Point is, is Herbert's job, he's too damn good as it is. You don't need to let a guy like that have it even easier. So mm-hmm. I guess that's why I was so angry about the Browns defense. That By the time I got to that officiating call or blunder, I was so pissed that I didn't <laughs> even care about that because I'm like, it doesn't matter. We're done anyways because they can't stop them. I didn't want overtime. I didn't want any of that because I'm like, the Browns just, I, I don't get it. They were up by two possessions. They even got a break before. Um, Halftime, They got the turnover, got the field Mm -hmm. goal, and they came out and scored the touchdown. Everyone's like, oh, the 10-point swing of the officials. You had the 10-point swing because your defense got a stop before the end of the half. And then your defense decided to stop playing in the second half at the most crucial time. Oh, Baker should have led them on the come-from-behind thing. All of that, yes. But you're not, I'm not going to allow anybody to hold Baker to a higher standard than the defense. I'm not going to allow anybody to hold the officiating to a higher standard than their own team. I'm just of the mindset of, you can't control officiating. It was pounded in my head from a young kid. I'm 5'5 five five and chubby. I'm not, I've never played sports at a high level. But even I know, you can't control officials. You can't bribe them. You, can, you know, <laughs> uh, Coaches try to do these things all the time to buddy up to the officials. They want to know their first name, oh, how the kids, how they, they try to learn about them. They try to buddy up with them because you can't screw over a friend and you try to create that friend vibe and all that stuff. Coaches do all these things to try to get on the sides of the officials, all that stuff. And even then, it doesn't work. You can't control them. But defensively, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, you can work on your defense. You can work on your offense. You can improve those things. You can't. In, in games or during the week, the Browns are not practicing to be better officials for this Sunday's game because you, you can't control it. And I'm with you. That's a whole other separate issue. Yeah, Officiating is bad. And I think what we're seeing, I, I heard today on Get Up that the average margin of victory this year is like 8.3. It's the tightest <laughs> amount of like – I, I, really, I usually screenshot stuff like that. But the, the margin of victory in the NFL right now is 8.3 points per game. I don't think officiating is any worse than in years past, Kev. What I think it is is we have way more close games. Absolutely. So there's more games being impacted by bad officiating. Mm-hmm. I think there's always bad officiating. There's always good officiating. We just don't talk about it. But when I heard that stat, I'm like, that's what it is. It's like officiating is always bad down the stretch in games. There's always good and bad calls. But I think it's because of your 16 games a week, every one of them is being – every clo- if the ar- marg- uh, average margin of victory is about 8.3 points per game – You're talking on 16 games a week, you're probably saying about seven or eight of those are being impacted by blown calls late in the game. And I think that's what it's coming down to. We're not seeing as many double-digit wins, which bad calls – we don't talk about bad calls in a late blowout game. But that bad call in a 50-point game is just as bad in a close game. It's just – magnified because of the game, late game
3: situation. Uh, but that's right now. I just yeah. I can't
2: blame officiating. Yeah, I,
3: I, I don't necessarily blame the officials, but it does think have this, an impact. It does do. have an impact on the game. But at the end of the day, the Browns had a, the ball with a chance to win it. The thing about it is, it's miscommunication in the back end. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't let a dude get that wide open twice. But negative. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a difference between getting mossed. You know what I'm saying like Cobb. The Bengals played that play perfectly. Yeah, like it, what happened. Happened. it, it, it is what it catch. is, man. Yeah. It, you you're on them. It was a great throw, great catch. Uh, Randy Moss, you're draped all over him, and it's Randy Moss, and he he gets you. It is what it is. But you can't have gimmies. You can't have gimmies, dude. Like, like the that that, that gimmies. is uh, just yeah. unacceptable. You can't have gimmies, dog. And two of them, nonetheless. I appreciate it because. He's the reason my fantasy football I'm team is you. now up 50 points. He does have Lamar and uh, Hollywood Brown going tonight, but, you know, I think we can hold them off. I think we can hold them off.
2: Yeah, and that and that was my argument, too. Well, the Browns, they are banged up and stuff like that. I'm like, that's fine. They were they had guys missing in the first half, and they knew how to play defense in the first half, uh, but
3: kudos to the Chargers. Justin Herbert's the real deal. And they definitely put that safety in a ton of conflict by putting, you know, Williams in the slot instead of having him out wide put him in a slot, make him make a decision. And when you have a dude that's 6'5", that can run like the wind, you know, it, it puts you in conflict. Like, what are you going to do? Because if you're dead on, he's going to run past you. If you squat on the route, he's going to run past you. And that's exactly what happened. He, he expected him to go out. He stayed in. He ran right past him.
2: <laughs> Twice. Five one eight fourteen ten. 14 10 And by the way, one game does not change the direction of a season. The Browns fans and the team itself Feel sick to their stomach. You beat a, I mean the the Chargers right now are one of the, the hottest team in football. The Browns were so dang close to beating, them. but you, again that's that moral victory stuff that I hate. The Browns are past that. The Bengals may be, and that's not a shot, that's just, I said that the Browns were there last year. The Browns were at that, that moral victory stage where you love to see the growth of the team. Now there's expectations. There's not really expectations for the Bengals this year. You just want, well, if there are, that's continue to show improvement each week. They've done that. Yes, you would have liked to have beat the Packers, uh, and it makes you sick because the reason you lost is just little details, little things. Um, but at the end of the day, the Browns had a chance to, I mean, I'm telling you, the Browns would be 4-1 today sitting atop the AFC North, and everyone would be talking. To about how the Browns, that was a statement game yesterday. I still thought they made a statement. They put 500 yards up against one of the top defenses in the NFL. Everyone was talking about how Bosa was just going to, I mean, the the pass
3: rushes for the Chargers, they didn't get to Baker. Baker got sacked twice. That's why I call Cap on the whole situation with the offensive tackles. Because they didn't get pressure on Baker at all. all and that's game. without
2: Willis, who was or Wills, who that was supposed to be. Like I thought Baker was in trouble not having
3: him. I'm in, sorry, I'm uh, using too much hip hop lingo. Uh, that's why I'm calling BS on the situation. What and, did you say? It, I want to be cool.
2: Cap. cap. cap, cap well, how, is a how lie. How do I use that? <laughs> that's use cap. That? That's thought, a lie. I'm gonna go get dinner afterwards. Like, how can I use that when ordering my food? Don't. don't I'm gonna start order. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna start
3: eating eating healthy. So what's that mean? That's cap. Like I'm gonna continue to eat McDonald's and Taco Bell. Like so
2: Just one word means all that. Yeah. So when I get home, Nora's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Cap. No. <laughs> what the hell? Come on.
3: I'll would so, be cool, man. <laughs> so you, you're going to go home tonight and you're going to say, I'm going to cut the grass. And she's going to say? Cap? Right. Because she knows you're lying.
2: Yeah. I do have to cut the grass, that's the thing. I mean I probably one more day away from getting that stupid little notification on my doors, so I better get to that when I get home. But Cap, But that's what I'm Cap saying is.
3: about the offensive line and what <laughs> coach said about the offensive tackles. Like they didn't get pressure on them all game. They had the blitz to even get in the backfield. Bosa was a non factor in that game. So that's why I'm calling Cap on that. Like I'm I'm not buying that as an excuse why you didn't attempt to get a first down through the air. Was it that I don't I I wish I you know what I can I'm going to look at that last series on YouTube because I want to see what was dialed up because I can't believe that coach dialed up a a shot play down the sideline. I just can't believe that. I think that's a bad decision by the quarterback. I can't believe that he dialed up like, yeah, we're trying to run out the clock. Let's take a shot play when you haven't taken a shot play all game. Like, so is that a bad decision by the coaching staff to dial up that play or is that a bad decision by the QB to throw that pass? I can't believe that they dialed that up when you're up and you're trying to run out the clock. You throw safe passes at that route. So maybe it's a situation where he dialed up something and Baker saw something else, took the shot, and now he's just trying to get out of here, like, get the clock moving, and hopefully we can get a turnover or a stop. Like, I got to look at that again because I can't believe in a million years they – he would take that shot to Higgins down the sideline, stopping the clock. Like, you just don't do that. You you make a safe pass to keep the clock rolling. 518-1410, Browns, Bengals,
2: anything on your mind? Let's go to Nick. Nick, I appreciate you holding. How are you, sir? We got Nick. We do not have Nick. All right, who's up next, guys?
3: We got Theo on line three.
2: Theo, how are you, sir?
0: I'm doing real good and pleased please forgive me for uh, I missed the first hour when you guys were talking about the Browns. Okay. Um, I I just, I I agree with with what everybody is saying, but Kevin Stefanski lost the game for the Browns. And uh, I thought the defense played well, even though they gave up 42 points, but considering they were playing a high powered offense, they're bound to give up points. The offense, did very well, but it was that last three minutes of the game, and they didn't get a first down. They were up by one, and I don't know what the hell they were doing. You know that was Kevin Stefanski lost the game for them, and that and I don't no, think, keep going. Go ahead. I, I don't well. I don't think nobody even. I don't think nobody is even mentioning that.
2: You know, he lost the game. He lost the game for them. I agree. And, and by the way, I mean, we talk about 20-plus points in the fourth quarter. That a little bit of it is defense. But you know what? Even with all of that, like Kevin said, Theo, the Browns had a chance to win the game late. But, like, that running the ball on the third and ten, inexcusable. And then they just looked. They did not look in control with the minute to go and no timeouts. Uh, It it was just – i don't know man i was so furious i was so furious by the end of that game because the browns just looked like they were trying to get to the end of that game with that lead they weren't doing anything to prevent the chargers from scoring it was all about just hoping the time would run out and it was like they were panicking they just did not look in control even in that uh final 60 seconds of the game when baker who i just did not think made great decisions either uh but you know it is interesting to see what they have drawn up and planned out for that type of situation too because that's coaching in close game situations
1: yeah,
0: and and I think um when it comes to special special situations, um, Kevin Stefanski he needs help with the play calling, and um, either he might need to uh, get a play. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say get the playbook up, <laughs> but uh, uh, for special situations, he needs somebody maybe with uh, some you know some other eyes that looking down. Hey, he needs some assistance because that that. That was uh, that was awful, you know. Um, but anyway, I thought they played very well. I I put the total blame on the coach. Uh, I thought Baker played well. I thought the line played well, considering they were missing two starting tackles. I thought the defense played well, even though they were missing some pieces on the defense. I just thought it just came down to coaching. In and situations uh, and stuff.
2: And to Stefanski's credit, keep in mind too, not excuses, but. He's technically only a second-year head coach in the NFL, and some of these yeah. situations are new, not just for him, but the organization as a whole. The Browns aren't used to having expectations to not just be good but to actually be Super Bowl good. And I think that Stefanski is learning as – I mean, the Browns and Stefanski are learning as they go. I just think Stefanski last night looked like the moment got too big for him, and that's the first – inc- I mean, hell, he wasn't even coaching in the Steelers game technically last year in the playoff. But I thought yesterday right. he just looked a little overwhelmed, and that's the first time I've gotten that vibe about him since taking over over in Cleveland.
0: One more thing, yes, sir. and i probably uh, <coughs> get some slack for this. I know Kareem Hunt is a beast. However, there is a better beast, and his name is Nick Chubb. I don't understand why <laughs> Kareem Hunt is in and not Nick Chubb. Whatever Kareem Hunt can do, Nick Chubb can do better. And I just, I that just, in infuriates me. You done not the man the money. You might as well play him.
2: I might as well. I mean, he had 150 plus yards. That dude should have been on the field in that late game situation. The only thing I could think of is using Kareem Hunt in the passing game, trying to. Get, but they weren't even drawing up plays that that simulated that. The only way I can justify having Kareem Hunt on the field late in the game versus Chubb is that we're not. They're not going to do any power running, so you might as well have used Hunt in that passing situation. But Theo, I'm with you. If that's the justification, then pass. But you handed it off to him on a third and ten, and that, to me, just doesn't make any dang sense. So I'm with you on that. There was just no clear-cut reasoning
0: for it, justification for it. All right, you guys. Thanks for taking my call. You guys do a fabulous job.
2: Thanks, Theo. Appreciate you. Take care. 518-1410, 518-1410. 518-1410, 518-1410. I see Charles is coming up next. we got a couple other calls that we're waiting. We will promise you we'll get to your calls right away. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash next. It's the
1: Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Is from 3 to 6 p.m. You can catch it live right here on 1410 Wing AM. Or you can stream the show at wingam.com. But now we have another way that you can take in the show. You can now watch the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live on ESPN Dayton's Facebook page. Listen, stream, watch. 1410.
2: Talked a lot. Actually, it's just been three hours of Browns Bengals today. But we'll definitely dive into some more college stuff coming up tomorrow. So much to get into, of course. We'll talk uh, Wilder Fury. That fight was unbelievable. Woo! Uh, but 518-1410, let's go back to the phone. We got Charles. Charles, how are you, sir? Charles, you there? All right, we'll continue taking calls. We, I see a couple of you on hold now. We'll get you guys coming up here uh, in just a few moments. Um, we can dive into a little bit, I mean, right now. So I thought this was interesting. Urban Meyer. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Urban Meyer. So the Jags, They. They. everyone was waiting to see if the Jags were going to quit on Urban Meyer. At no point did I think that the Jags were going to quit. or I should rephrase this. Uh, everyone had believed that the Jags had already quit on Urban Meyer, and I had a hard time believing that. They almost beat the undefeated Cardinals the week before. Uh, they literally had the game in their hands against the Cincinnati Bengals. They were playing. They were making big plays. Like they- at no point do I feel like the the, the Jaguars had any point, had quit on Urban Meyer. Um, they got blown out pretty good yesterday, of course, and they responded to the Titans on the scoring drive, missed the extra point, of course, and all that, but they ended up getting blown out. The bottom line is this, is it's going to be very tough for me to support anyone that's going to use wins and losses against Urban Meyer for a roster that was not constructed to win, starting with the front office. The Jaguars are getting a lot of passes. Uh, because of people's dislike for Urban Meyer, there's a lot of people like the Con family and the Jaguars organization that's getting a free pass when it comes to accountability. When you think about the Urban Meyer situation a week and a half ago, or I should say just over a week ago um, in Columbus. All eyes were on Urban. All blame was on Urban. Everyone was saying, oh, man, it's unheard of for the coach not to go with the team to come back. Why isn't anyone ripping the organization? The cons signed off on him not coming back with the team. They were fine with him not going back with the team, and the only reason they pretended to care about him not going back with the team is because a video floated around of some hot blonde leaning into Urban Meyer, and now that made them look bad, so now they they have to pretend to be angry about it. Why aren't we ripping them? Because the Browns front office in the organization for the longest time they would get ridiculed all the time. The Packers with, with Gutekinds, they're, they're constantly bashing him because of their relation, his relationship with Aaron Rodgers not being what it is. The Bengals, Mike Brown is constantly ripped all the time. The front office of the Bengals, constantly ripped all the time. It's not as if, and I saw, I saw someone on social media today to say, well, blaming the front office isn't really appealing. That's why it's not a story. You know, that, that's never, you know, that, that never makes good storylines. What are you talking about? All we do is rip organizations all the time. The giant, the Giants organization, their GM gets ripped all the time. The the Washington football team, uh, you know, during their transition <laughs> into cleaning things up, they got ripped all the time. So I don't believe that. I believe, I mean, this goes back to my conversation last week about Urban Meyer, that I, I for me, and I seem to be the minority, Kev believes differently, so does Byers and others. I just don't believe that if this was any other coach that had a girl just leaning into him, it wouldn't be a storyline. But the Jaguars, it's all Urban Meyer. But the Kahn family allowed it to happen. The Kahn family... By the way, you know how much they probably had to... Like, Urban Meyer is a great negotiator, by the way. Urban Meyer and had face in the conversation with the Jags. The Jags were a nobody from an organizational standpoint. Nobody cared about Jaguars football. Hell, people in Jacksonville don't care about Jags football. That's one reason they brought in Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer had retired because he was... His health, right? He was never going to coach again. Well... The Benjamins, you know, you you talk about the dollars, all of a sudden he's healthy again, right? It took a lot of money to get him to come out of retirement, to go coach at Jacksonville. And if you think that money is the only thing that happens in these negotiations, you're wrong. Uh, you know, the freedom to make your own decisions throughout a lot of this stuff. Like, Urban Meyer got that in exchange for his services to be the head co- football coach at Jacksonville. I just don't get why no one ever blames the front office. So that's the problem I have with all of that. I have a huge problem with the front office not getting any heat for what happened with Urban Meyer. They actually screwed over Urban Meyer. What I felt like what it was was Urban Meyer having to face the fire, and then there's the media on this side of the table, the, the fans who hate him on this side of the table, and then the front office was joining the media and the, and the fans over here. I never once felt that the front office took responsibility for Urban Meyer's actions either. That's the problem that I have. It's really irritating to me because I also feel that the struggles of the Jaguars moving forward are not on Urban Meyer any more than they are in the front office. The front office had $70 million to work with to rebuild a roster. They didn't even spend half of that. They didn't even spend half of their $70 million in cap space heading into this season. But urban meyer is going to be expected to win some ball games to keep his job moving forward. Are you kidding me? That shouldn't have been the expectation before the hot blonde at the bar, much less after the hot blonde at the bar. I keep bringing up the hot blonde at the bar, but the, you know what I mean. Like it just it drives me nuts. I'm not making excuses for Urban. The guy's a bonehead. You know I, I could overlook a couple of the decisions at the beginning. I thought that you know okay he, he got the one bad decision out of the way with the with the dumb strength and conditioning coach that he hired. That was that was beyond dumb. Okay, but I thought okay he got it out of the way. He got that out of his system. He's always good for one. But then he's just a constant distraction. I didn't agree with the Tebow distraction uh, as far as it being a big bigger deal than what it was, but it was. Was, and it was Urban Meyer. That was strike two. And then this, it's just we're constantly talking about Urban fighting off. Oh, in four, technically, because he let it slip about how they let, um, oh, is there another one? Yeah. Oh, there yeah. go. Finish. Oh, about <laughs> the vaccination status. I thought he was, that one actually, the one time Urban was being honest, it actually got him in trouble. But uh, <laughs> I really don't knock him for that.
3: I, just, I mean, he was being, like you said, he was being honest. The one time he was being honest, and, he got knocked and, for it, yeah. you know, a veteran coach like Bill Belichick, knowing dang on well that the vaccination thing has something to do with cutting players and keeping players. He's nope, didn't have anything to do with it. There's a veteran coach being smarter in the system. And the other thing that he was and caused the Jacksonville Jaguars to get fined was uh, you know, the over practicing uh during the off season and everything like that. That was so that was the other thing they was involved in.
2: So yeah, so it was like it's just like always something. It is. So I can't defend that. But what I I'm not defending him here. I'm also throwing other people into the accountability train, and that's the front office of the Jags. Like, Kev, if this was going on in Cincinnati, people have no problem. And I go, I do it all the time, but I'm talking from a national perspective. The national media loves to take shots at Mike Brown in the front office. They love to take shots at the Browns' front office. They love to take shots at front offices all the time. What? I don't get why the Jags... Are, I, I do believe it's just because Urban's so polarizing that he's absorbing all the blame and nothing's going towards that. The, the Texans for an office was getting destroyed for the handling of Deshaun Watson before mm-hmm. the legal issues on the outside came in. Um, so I just don't get why the Jags are going to get passed here. They did not set this guy up to succeed. But Urban today, by the way, I thought Urban was going to be good enough to transition into the pros and be able to identify the differences between the pros and college, uh, but he's getting ripped on social media today, not to the level of which he was for some of these other things. But he said something in the post game. Urban Meyer trying to when trying to do and say the right thing goes wrong. Urban was asked about the, you know, what did he think about the Jaguars' performance you know, over the weekend against the Titans? Uh, you know, he, he said he actually felt pretty good about how the offense played. You know, there were some things he liked about the defense, but ultimately, you know, it's really going to come down to, you know, them achieving their goals, being a balanced team. So the J- Jaguars lost 37-19 to 19 against the Titans. The Titans really pulled away late. The Jaguars tried to make it a game close. But Urban Meyer made the deadly sin of, Using a college reference in a pro game. So the Jaguars actually finished with 198 rushing yards. And they finished with 256 passing yards. But Urban came out and said, well, you know, our goal is to be about, you know, our goal every week, we want 250 rushing yards, 250 passing yards. 250 passing (laughs) yards a game is going to lose your quarterback a job quickly. 250 rushing yards a game will be the most ever for an average per game in NFL history. It's just not realistic, and you shouldn't be having a higher bar as far as total yards is concerned, especially when you have Trevor Lawrence. I don't think it's that big a deal, but I did get a chuckle out of it. If Urban didn't have all these other outside noises going on, I wouldn't look at this and laugh. But it is what people were saying, Kev. He's not going to adapt to the pro game very well, and that statement doesn't help his cause any because this isn't college uh, whatsoever. So your thoughts on that? I don't think it's a huge deal, but I did get a chuckle. It's
3: it's really not a huge deal. It's just a bad way of expressing it or wording it. He just wants to be a balanced football team. He wants to be able to pass the ball as well as he can run the football. And he just used numbers and those. (laughs) I mean, if you're rushing for 250 a game, why throw it? You know so what I mean?
2: The Ravens averaged I think two years ago they averaged two hundred six rushing yards a game as a team, and that was an NFL record. Right. So for him to say our goal is to average two hundred fifty rushing yards a game, it's like, come on, dude, unless, you're really out you that. Unless you the, got yeah. Emmitt Smith and Barry Sanders
3: back there, I don't well, think well, you're gonna do that. Quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't think you wanna be doing that. The whole passing thing, like it's just the numbers. I'm not even gonna talk about like the, the what's a good passing, what's not. Just just don't say that. Don't that. S- <laughs> because you say that Ohio State like everybody like yeah we can do that and that's feasible you hear that <laughs> that's that's a genius coach right there. <laughs> exactly in the NFL
2: he and he was used to that he was used to everything he said people loved
3: and that's what happens so when bad. you're when you're a coach in a quote-unquote college town small town man you get to run the land you get to tell people what's up what's down what's blue what's red what's orange what's pink what you're what you say is the gospel. And everybody says, yeah, but that's not the case in the NFL. And to speak to your point about the front office about the Jacksonville Jaguars, I guess this is more of a question for KB or something like that. Because he was explaining to me like how it is like, for lack of a better word, mandatory for the coaches to fly back with the team, everything like that. Um, But. Yeah, like, somebody has to sign off on this, right? He didn't just say, like, all right, after the game, get a post-game speech, go talk to the media, Jump, jumped into Uber and went to Columbus. I don't, is, that the, is that what he did? Like, I I mean, I would imagine that he was, had to tell somebody in charge, like, yeah, I'm not going to be back down in Jacksonville until Monday because, I mean, I'm sure Urban Meyer isn't catching a commercial flight from Columbus to Jacksonville. I'm sure they're flying a PJ, right? Like so somebody's getting that PJ for him. So it sounds like he was getting a oh goodness. Uh so I <laughs> the <laughs> the owner I don't necessarily believe he's should be the one like taking the brunt of this because, you know, he's he's the owner of the team. The person you need to be focused on is the GM. Like, that's Urban Myers' boss, is the GM. He's Urban
2: the- should take the brunt of it. Yeah. But I don't think he should take taken all of it. Yeah. I, like, I who thought- signed
3: off on this? Who's, who okayed this? What's going on behind the scenes? And you know me, I'm a stickler for, you know, things being structured from the top down. And we bashed the, the Texans for their ownership and things that went on with, with Deshaun Watson. But before everything that came out about these cases that he's dealing with I'm currently bashing Kevin Colbert of my Pittsburgh Steelers for things that he's done in the past so nobody in Jacksonville looks like they're holding anybody uh, accountable and the other last thing I'll say about this the decision I've seen a situation where all the one guy absorbs all of
2: it but that's just again that goes back to my theory of it's a bigger deal than any other coach doing it because the media I truly believe and I've I've always rolled my eyes at this I believe they don't like Urban Meyer and that's I don't think there's many media outside of Bucknuts and others that are going to worship the Ground He walks on Letterman Row as much as I love Austin Ward and them, and I, this isn't a knock against them, but I saw them defending Urban Meyer and stuff. I've defended Urban Meyer. I don't think this is a big deal at all. But, like, he's used, Urban's used to having dedicated blogs telling him, and by the way, Letterman Row's above a blog, let me just be clear, but, like, he's used to dedicated websites defending every move he makes. That doesn't exist with Jacksonville. But we'll be back. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nashville. Put a bow on the show on the other side. We got Buckeye Football, uh, Buckeye Football Show coming up here at the Buckeye Roundtable. Don't go anywhere. All right, in our limited time that we have here, uh, we'll talk a little college football. When I say limited time, we have limited time, Kev. Our thoughts on the college football weekend was, it was really, really good. Bama goes down. That's all we have time for today. The Buckeye Roundtable comes up next. Uh, and we'll hear from Paul Keels and, uh, of course, Skip Bostic in the game. And we'll hear about some of the top high school performances in the state of Ohio. And then look ahead to Ohio State's bye week as they prepare for what is now a primetime game against Indiana. A bye week that's coming up Saturday, the 23rd. They'll be at Indiana primetime uh, coming up. That wraps it up for us. Have a good night, everybody. Until tomorrow, it's been the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash.
1: The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN.